Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. I have a very special guest today. He's not only a tattoo artist, he's a boxer, a husband, a father, a skater, a surfer, a painter, Edward Norton's how you doing everybody thanks for having me you're welcome and thanks for being here. i'm psyched you're here um so my, my whole basis of this podcast is to talk to people who um inspire me people who are part of my life and actually hear their story would inspire them i've got them to where they are today um so we're going to take it back to first and foremost you were born in california yes yeah, I was born in Bellflower, actually. At a, I heard of Bellflower. I've never been there, but it's Yeah, fantastic. it's not a great place, but um, I was born in Bellflower at a, um, at a uh, Kaiser, Kaiser Hospital back in the day. Okay. And uh, my parents had Kaiser insurance, so we, I had to be born in Bellflower and then taken right back over to Fullerton. Now, I was born in Bellflower and raised in Fullerton my whole life. And uh, how, how were you in school? Terrible. Well, no, no, I was... <laughs> So I was good in school. I hated school. I did not like school. Um, there's a quote where it says, don't let schooling get in the way of your education. And I hated to be schooled, you know. Um, I had good teachers and bad teachers, and I can, I can recall most, most of all of them. You know, the mediocre ones, they don't stand out, but the good ones and the bad ones definitely stand out. But I was good. So I was, a, you know, a good student and a good kid up until my father passed away. And then I just kind of went nuts. That was like, I was thinking it was about 12 and a half. You know that phrase, beware of the man with nothing to lose. I kind of yeah. felt like I had nothing to lose anymore. Yeah. And so I, um, I just You were 12 went, when he died? 12 and a half, yeah. And how did he pass away? Uh, he got hit by a car riding his bicycle to school. Holy shit. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. That's crazy, we didn't, man. Um, we didn't have that much money. Yeah. So my mom had, a, we had one car, you know. Okay. And my mom used the car to pick up the kids to, you know, do groceries, yeah. all that. She was a homemaker. And my dad was riding by. Would, he would ride his bicycle to school, but it was also because he liked to get the exercise in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a art teacher, so he was going for his early class. I think it was his eight a.m. class or something. Don Wayne, right? Yeah, Don Wayne Hendricks. He was an artist. Yeah, yeah. I looked him up. I looked him up actually. <laughs> oh, cool! Right on. Thanks. Um, I'm in the process of rebuilding another site for him right now, so okay. people can still look at his artwork and all that. Because people come up to me all the time, especially since I own a, sh- a shop in Fullerton. Yeah, now. yeah. They come in and they introduce themselves, and they're either students or colleagues. Okay. And they always rave about them, and you know, this recently, this lady brought me all these drawings that he had done, and uh, they were uh, like Star Wars characters and all that. Oh wow! He used to come into the Brea. um, She he used to come into the Brea uh, Children's. I think it was like a. I forgot what it was. Uh, like a uh, elementary school. I think it was just like special elementary school or something. And he would go in there and do art lessons. And um, I mean, that was not uncommon for him. He would yeah. do that a lot. Just do art lessons for kids, volunteer time and all that. And she came in and just couldn't, you know, she, she didn't have a bad thing to say about him. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a brother and two sisters. Okay. So it goes boy, girl, boy, girl, and I'm the youngest boy. Okay, yeah, me too. Yeah. So you're in school when your dad passed away and you're 12 years old. That must have changed everything, obviously. Yeah. Can you turn my uh, this one down a little bit? Yeah. That's right. Right here? That's your... Um, oh, this you is mine? Yeah. yeah. Can, can you hear it? Can you hear yourself better? Oh, that's... Wait. Yo, check, check. Yeah, that's better. That's perfect. Okay, good. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> you can hear yourself? It was loud. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, um, so, so after your dad passed, yeah. Um... 
so after that, I started becoming a pretty bad student. Mm-hmm. Um, I ditched a lot, and I started hanging out, you know, with the bad crowd. Bad kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to get rid of my gum. I'm not it's chewing. Pro- they're probably here, Hector. So I... Um, I started hanging out with some friends in my neighborhood. You know, we we were always kind of up to no good. We got yeah. in a lot of fights. And I discovered um, I discovered drugs and alcohol at a young age. At a, yeah, a pretty young age. Um, which I can't even do. I still look back and imagine what my mom went through. I can't even imagine yeah. losing your husband and then trying to raise four kids on your own. You know. Yeah, I still I still remember things and call her up and apologize. And oh she, wow! Yeah, I haven't done it in a while because she told me last time. So look, you don't have to apologize anymore. It's okay. Yeah. I've forgiven you for everything. I don't even care anymore. I don't want to yeah. know about this stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. But because um, she was probably so busy like trying to raise you guys that she couldn't. Dude, she had a high school education, so she had to take the money that we got because my dad was in Vietnam. So oh, we wow. got we got you know veterans funds, and he had life insurance. Yeah. So she planned all the money so she could pay tuition for college or you know whatever was left over from scholarships that my my <clears throat> yeah. brothers and sisters got, and also pay the mortgage. You know what I mean? Pay, yeah, man. Pay, you know, pay the the car payment, the utilities, and then put herself through school. So she had to go back to school, and she got her degree wow. for a, yeah. She got a you know credentials to teach, and she started That's teaching awesome. in high school. It was pretty crazy, bro. That's crazy, I, man. Yeah, I, I look back and I'm like, man, I, I don't even know. I asked her one time, well, how'd you do it? Yeah, and she just kind of goes. I had no choice. Just do it. What yeah, do you my mean? Mom's, yeah, she yeah. just looked at me confused like, I had no choice. Yeah. I mean, you always have a choice. She could have just laid on the couch and collected state checks. Totally. You know, but she didn't. She yeah. she did it, and she she's a strong woman, man. My mom did the same thing. My dad died. She raised three boys on her own, so she was working several jobs, all that. Yeah. And that's how I got exposed to, like, going to shows and skateboarding because of my brothers. But were, you, were your brothers and sisters, were they, were they affected like you were? Were they wilding out, too? No, I don't think so. I think my sister was a little bit younger. Um... You know, she was nine, I believe. Yeah, she was nine. And my older brother and sister, you know, they were teenagers or, yeah. or late, you know, late teens and, and getting into, you know, both of them actually were in college. Um, I think I think it, each of us, I mean, it affected us deeply because we were all close. Yeah. We a really close family yeah. in a different way. But I think it hit me the hardest because... He was like my best friend. Yeah, you know, it was right at the totally. time where you need a father. You know, you're you're coming up in your teenage years. Mm-hmm. So, um, dude, I lost my mind. I was there was times. My mom told my wife one time when we were having lunch. She said that she said we kind of, this kind of got brought up, and she goes, "Oh, he's living on borrowed time." Mm-hmm. And then she she added to it by saying, "He honestly like, yeah." I, he should have been dead or in prison a long time ago. If, wow. If I would get a call past, you know, eight or nine o'clock yeah. in the evening and he wasn't home, I just figured it was like the cops or the coroner. Damn. Yeah. So that's kind of what I put my mom through. And it's not like, dude, it's not like I grew up in su- a super gnarly neighborhood. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great neighborhood. And yeah. there was definitely trouble to be found. Totally. And I found it. Yeah. You know? Um, but I could have avoided it just like, you know, my sister did and my, mm-hmm. my brother and sister, other, you know, my older brother and sister did, but I, uh, I didn't, I did, found it. Did you start feeling classes and not going to school and did you? Yeah, I, uh, kind of, it, well, it kind of started to go cause I did one year of high school 
and it was like, oh, and then I did, so I did, after he passed, I did a year of junior, junior high, and then I yeah. went to high school. But after that, it was kind of like a D minus <laughs> C, you know yeah. what I mean? B plus, yeah. F. It was just all over the board, because it all depended on the teacher, I think. Totally. I mean, I had a, dude, I had a math teacher pull me out of class, because, you know, I just kind of, People were staring at me. People were wondering if I was going to break down and start crying at school. You know, they didn't know. It was like, oh, Tim's dad died. Tim's dad died. Uh, so, they, yeah. you know, you, you stick out like a sore thumb. Totally. And um, so I would, you know, crack jokes in class or do something just to let them know that I was, hey, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay, you yeah. know. And um, and she pulled me out of class one time. It was Her name was Miss Stray. And uh, she goes, she goes, I don't care. She's like, you're not cute, you're not funny, and you're not impressing anyone. I don't care if your dad died or not. Or she's like, I don't Damn. care if your dad died. You're not getting away with that that crap in my class. Wow. You know, and I, I man, she was so mean. Holy shit. I had a friend, uh, I had a friend, Manny. I still talk to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, he's kind of cool, like, though. he's kind of like me. He was in the local neighborhood gang there. And, um, yeah. And he, you know, he's, he, he did well. He went to, I think he went to juvenile hall, a little bit of jail, you know, a little bit of, you know, time Yeah. after that even. And then, you know, he shaped up and he started building like sound, soundproof rooms, like sound studios mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but, uh, he, he hated her so much. I remember he hit her over, over like just fully whacked her with his book bag, Holy knocked her to shit. the ground. Yeah. I think he got, he, back then you didn't get expelled for that. You got suspended Damn. and he got suspended for it. That's um, crazy. But yeah, everybody hated her, man. My mom disliked her, you know, for all that as well. But so then there was teachers that kind of, you know, they empathized. Either yeah. they had been through it. Totally. Or they understood in some way. And they were kind of, they were cool about it. They understood what I was going through. And um and also some teachers are just good teachers. Yeah. They make learning fun and totally. it, interesting because they're interested in it. Yeah. They enjoy what they're teaching mm-hmm. and they make it interesting. Yeah. And uh, so I liked it, you know, I liked mm-hmm. certain classes and then I, I kind of chose whether I wanted to fail or... or Yeah, he just didn't care. I, I had a teacher fail me because I didn't do the homework, even though I aced every test. Yeah. And I went to the office and protested <laughs> and they gave me a C, they just met in the middle and gave me like oh, a wow. C for, the, for it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. interesting because now my son with his homework, they're like, as long as you turn your homework in on time, then you, you're going to pass. That's yeah. what they tell my son now. Like, so there's a balance between the homework and what you do in the classroom, you know? Yeah. I I don't know, man. I can't I don't know how I'm gonna be when my kid gets in like high school. <laughs> what crazy. type of parent if I'm gonna walk in and, and or I'm gonna talk to him and, and be like, you know, listen, I'll go talk to the teacher about this homework thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard. I just I think it's ridiculous. And all the math has changed too. How they do math is so different now. There's a new really way, new way they do math. Oh great, yeah. I gotta relearn everything. You do, yeah, you do. It's crazy the multiplication. Oh, that's a different way they do it now. Yeah, yeah. So, I never, I never graduated. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, I didn't. I um, I left school. So about fifteen and a half, sixteen, I think, is when um my mom finally just threw me out. And Damn. she, yeah, I went out. To, I went to a movie with a family friend. He was really cool. This guy was like, he was touched in the head. He's a gen- okay. he was a genius. Yeah. But he was very weird. Like the first time that I hung out with him, my mom wanted me to go hang out with him. You know, I wanted to go hang out with Chuck. His name was Chuck Foster. And um, we went and hung out. I think we got dinner and went to a movie. And he was one of my dad's friends. Okay. Man, he he blew my mind. He, I mean, he talked about stuff that now I'm realizing was like on a quantum physics type of level. Yeah. You know, in quantum theory and things mm-hmm. like that. And how to, you know, gain control back of my life. 
And I came home one time and I said, Mom, Chuck's kind of weird. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she goes, uh, <clears throat> she's like, yeah, but you know, this is, this is when my family is a little bit more religious uh, on a religious aspect. But, oh, okay. but she goes, uh, he goes, yeah, but Chuck's, I, I think Chuck's a little bit closer to God than what, what most people would be. Interesting. You know? It was pretty trippy. And, and uh, so anyways, I, back to throwing me out. Um, I I went, I went, uh, to a movie with him when I got back, my uncles were there, my dad's brothers were there. Yeah. And, uh, and I kind of immediately knew everything that I owned was on in hefty bags on the porch because they didn't have time to like pack it up nice in boxes. They just shoved everything in that room in hefty bags and I could sort it out later. Wow. And, um, my uncle Paul goes, Hey Timmy, that's what all my family on that side calls me. Hey Timmy, uh. You're gonna come live with us for a while. I was like, all right, let's go. You know, try to be like, yeah, cool guy about it. And we got in, um, got Damn. in their car, packed up all the stuff, and got in their car, and that was it. I, I, my mom booted me out, which rightfully so. Holy shit! I was terrible. I mean, dude, I had stolen. I had all kinds of stolen stereos in my, in in my room. I had yeah. like VCRs, all kinds of stuff. We used to break into houses. We used Damn. to, you know, I used to break into cars. I used to steal anything and everything. And it's horrible because thieves are awful. I was an mm-hmm. awful human. Yeah. You know? And um, I don't even know why I did it. It just it paid for my habits and it put a little yeah. cash in my pocket. And, and that was immediately gave, after your dad died, everything changed. Yeah. It you was on just a good a, path before I, that. It was like the downward slide. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was on a good path before that. Um, and uh, throwing me out was the best thing my mom could have ever have done. So I moved in with my uncle and... Um, Man, this is crazy. I've never told this this full story before. I haven't. <laughs> you know, to you. my to my wife, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um <laughs> but you know, people always ask me about tattoo shit. Yeah, we'll get to that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, everyone's already heard that story, so it's nice yeah. being able to to to, yeah. to tell this. Um, people have called my podcast therapeutic. So yeah. That's yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, you're easy to talk to, man. Thank you. Um so so uh I went and lived with my uncle and he was like, You gotta get a job, Timmy. You gotta yeah. get a job and so I would um, I would work with him on the weekends, but I, I had to get a real job. My first, I, I got, a, I mean, I had a paper route and some, you know, yeah. odd jobs when I lived with my mom. But uh, but I got a, a job at a Krakorian movie theater. I don't even know if they have those anymore. <laughs> what probably is got, that? I don't know. Probably got bought out by AMC, but it's okay. like you know one of those independent one or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my uncle lived in Palos Verdes. Which was a trip, man, because that was like a bunch. I never li- lived in a that's rich fancy, yeah, yeah. Fancy, I never yeah. lived in a rich neighborhood. You yeah, know? we didn't grow up like that, and yeah. I would trip. And then it was this continuation where these kids down the school from like, from like Carson, and this place called the Dog Patch, you know, which <laughs> is a gnarly neighborhood around the corner from there. They would drive up the hill to go to this continuation. So you see kids like driving up in Porsches. They were like sixteen oh, and got Porsches and had like a burrito sack of cocaine in their pocket. Damn. And then you see guys getting dropped off by their parents, you know what I mean? In yeah. like in like an old beat up suburban or a station wagon mm-hmm. coming from the, the the other neighborhood. And they were gnarly dudes. Wow. You know? That's crazy. Which actually kind of saved me because the first week of school I got into a fist fight. Because you know, people test you. You go to continuation, yeah. they're gonna test yeah. you and see what you're made of. And it's kind of like a mini prison. Um, and <laughs> Sounds I, like it. And I got into a fist fight. This guy got in my face, and I just hit him as fast as I could. And was um, that your first fight? No, okay, I've okay. been in many fights before that. Okay. But, um, okay. but I hit him, and um, 
and we tussled a little bit, and then and the teacher broke it up, and we sat back down. We were playing dominoes. What kind of, like... <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, this was like, I was a freshman and playing, playing dominoes in, um, in a continuation school. And then he just kept at it. So I hit him again. And this time I busted his eye open and, and, um, and you know, he threatened me. And then, you know, I, I, I just left. I actually just, I had a little, um, I had a little piece of crap car, a 79 Toyota Corolla that my grandpa oh, gave shit. me with like purple bubbled, yeah. bubbled up tint. I got in my car and I just left. Before I even got sent to the office or anything, Damn. I just left the room. I was like, this is what you do in these situations. I just yeah. busted this dude's eye open. So I got in the car, I left, I drove home, <laughs> and I walk in the house, and my uncle, um, he, was, he's a, he was a pretty rowdy dude, and mm-hmm. he was a bouncer and a bodyguard. He ended up being like elite bodyguard for a lot of famous people. Okay. So he kind of understood those situations. But I yeah. walk in, he's all, hey, hey, Timmy, what are you doing home? And I'm like, I got into a fight. And, he, and my, you know, my aunt, remember my aunt, uh, she was like, ugh. And she like walked in the other room. <laughs> and he goes, uh, well, did you, did you lose? And I'm like, no, I don't think I lost. And then right then the phone rang and he picks up his phone and it was the school. And he's like, well, apparently that kid's on his way to the hospital. Let's go back to school. Oh, shit. So he drove me back. And, um, and uh, I, you know, we had a conversation with the principal, and he said that I must have had a domino in my hand because you know, and him, my uncle just argued and said, "No, I don't think so." Mm. He said he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. And we walk outside, and all that guy's friends were out there, and even in front of my uncle, they were like, "We're gonna, you know, we're gonna fuck you up." Right in front of him, they didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. And my uncle looks at me and he goes, "Why don't you go handle your business? I'll go wait in the car." And he just left me and oh, goes and shit. waits in the car, you know, to kind of be like. Be a man, and I walked up to the dudes and I said, "All right, we'll do what you got to do." And they didn't do anything. Well, I guess when I was suspended oh, for five shit. days, this guy, his name was Freddie, and they called him Boom Boom. I guess at that age, he had already been firing off guns a lot. Mm, okay. And um, he had met me earlier that week, and knew that I grew up in Fullerton, and he was like, "No way, man! I, I was in juvenile hall with some guys from Tokerstown. You know Tokerstown dudes." And I was like, "Yeah, man, you know." <laughs> I grew up yeah. with, with a few of those guys, and and um, he was like, "No way!" And we just hit it off. Yeah, it's cool. And uh, so he stood up for me, and he said, yeah, "Anybody fucks with Tim, they gotta fuck with me too." And That's so awesome. Everybody left me alone. Wow. And uh, and that That's was pretty amazing. Yeah, that was my you know that was my experience at the continuation school in Palos Verdes. So it is like the first day in prison though. You get checked, and then you stand up. Yeah, and yeah, or anywhere, or anything like that. Probably a boarding school. Probably, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Juvenile yeah. hall or YA. Mm-hmm. But um, that's crazy. Yeah, but my uncle, man, you know, it was really cool. Like, I got I got really lucky because that those guys were in my life because I didn't have any positive male role models, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I looked towards you know these guys in my neighborhood, which they weren't good positive male role models. Yeah. They were older, and I just thought they were cool. And totally. And then I went to live with my uncle, and he taught me how to be a man, mm-hmm. you know, at least as much as he could in the year that I lived with him. Yeah. And um. I wrote him a really nice heartfelt letter. Like years later, my aunt said he like cried. Oh, that's cool. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. How many years you live with him for? I just lived with him for a year, you know? And I I moved in. But that year seemed like a long time. You learned so much. Dude, at that age, a year is like an eternity. It is, dude. You learn so much and you change so much. And um I uh I moved dude, I moved in with him like a hundred and 135 pounds soaking wet, you know? Yeah, and, um, yeah. And I think I moved out of like 160, 170 pounds, and I grew at least a full inch, maybe more. In a year, I would, shit. Yeah, I would wake up, and he'd be like, come on, Timmy, this is before, you know what I mean? Like, that I, you know, that I really enrolled in school and got a job and all that. Yeah. 
so there was like a couple of months that were brutal. He would wake me up and and he would make me eat. He'd make me eat or drink like a shake, like a protein shake, and then we'd go and work out at Gold's Gym where he worked out at because he was <laughs> like, a, yeah, he was all into bodybuilding. As a teenager, that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, he made me go to Gold's Gym. I mean, I, it, was, really... it got to the point where I was barely curling the bar. I was so weak, and then would be like, okay, and I'd just like walk like Gumby back to the car, <laughs> and then we go back to the house, and he'd cook me this huge breakfast again, and then he'd make me eat like another protein shake or I could eat a can of beans, you know? Damn. And... um. And Some military I, shit. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of gnarly. I don't know. I wonder if he, rem- he remembers that. But but I did really that for a while. Man- yeah, that's yeah. Well, he just knew I was all sucked up. And yeah, just, you know. Yeah. Were you getting sober that at that time, living with him, or were you still kind of? I smoked a lot of pot. Yeah. That was about it. I drank with my friends and smoked a lot of pot. But then once I met some friends out there, you know, you always find those people. Mm-hmm. You know, I could walk into a room and point out exactly <laughs> where the drugs are still. Wow. And I've been sober for 10 years, you know? Wow. So, you know, you just kind of, you, once you, once you, once you build that radar, yeah. it never goes away. And so totally. I found people, you know, I found, you know, this guy Ryan and this other guy Marco, and we all started hanging out and, you know, smoking a lot of weed, just what teenagers do and drinking. Is and this then, senior year or something or? Nah, this was this would have been like freshman sophomore. Wow, okay. No, 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 sophomore. Okay. I think it'd be yeah, about sophomore year yeah, yeah. around there. Um, or what would have been. Mm-hmm. And then um maybe, maybe junior, I don't know. And then I just, we started, you know, discovering other stuff. Yeah. Other drugs. Heavier shit. It got a little bit harder. But I didn't really have like an issue with it, I think. I think it was more or less just like a recreational thing. Like I didn't I didn't start I didn't start doing drugs and alcohol because of peer or, or because of, yeah. of, of because it's so amazing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I did it because of peer pressure. Like I did it because I wanted to be cool and fit in. Yeah. And that's really why. That's so yeah. ridiculous. It's so stupid as yeah. it sounds. But when you're a teenager, man, you are so self conscious. Hundred percent insecure. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Yeah, man. You do not feel comfortable in your skin no. at all. I mean, it's I look at teenagers now, I'm like, oh my God, this poor kid. You it's can just insane, see dude. how uncomfortable and awkward he is. I just know. The way, by the way they walk, mm-hmm. you know? And um so I did it because it made me, you know, I did it because of peer pressure, but then I kept doing it because of the way it made me feel. feel yeah. You know, it it took away all all my sadness over my father. Yeah. It took away all my awkwardness around other, you know, other girls mm-hmm. or, or uh, you know, peers. Yeah. It just made me feel comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? And that's yeah. right where I wanted to be. And the yeah. only way to feel comfortable was to just smoke weed mm-hmm. and get drunk. Get numb, you know? yeah. Yeah, just get numb to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I just kept doing that. And then... You know, I, I kind of stopped. I started being more productive. I, I left my, my uncle's house, and I moved in with uh, my friend's parents, my friend Ray in mm. Fullerton that I grew up with anyways. Yeah. His dad built a little, like, house for me in the garage. It was really Sick. nice. Yeah, he even put the address on it and put a half, you know, <laughs> on it. That's awesome. Yeah, they, they, were, they were really good to me, and I got, I got a whole nother, like... Family kind of thing. Yeah, family yeah. thing there, you know, because... Were you not talking to your mom at all during those years? You know what? I, I started talking to her again, but I wasn't talking to her when I lived with my uncle. Okay. I refused. Yeah. Just being a little turd. Yeah. And uh, Resented her, probably. Yeah, I resented her. And, yeah. and I started talking to her again, and I was still driving out to, like, Torrance, where I had a job, you know, 
40 minutes on the freeway every day and driving yeah. back in that little that little Toyota. Were you doing art and stuff then too? Still doing that? Always, always. Always doing drawing. art. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always doing art. I, I used to try to... I would practice with homemade tattoo machines like at my aunt's house. I lived with my aunt for a while too. So here's the thing. <laughs> like uh, you'd have to bring my mom in here, man. I should have <laughs> drove up with my mom because she knows the timeline on a yeah. lot of stuff. You yeah. know, because like... So I started, you know, I got my first, like tattooing, for example, I got my first uh, homemade tattoo, you know, by some old cholo dude in a garage, just got out out of prison, and I got it in a garage at a tattoo party in Fullerton. Fuck. And- How old were you? My mom says I was 15 and a half. Okay. And then I started, uh, maybe I was 16, who knows, this is what my mom says. I go by what my mom says, because she's got a pretty good memory. For sure. And then um, I remember seeing it and being like, I could do that. And I tried to make homemade machines. They didn't work. Dude, I tried to like solder uh, um, a gu- sharpened up guitar string needle to a little hair clipper, like one of those little oh, yeah, mini yeah. hair clippers to get, you know, sideways to get like a buzzing motion. Oh, it kept yeah. breaking off of the hair clipper and I couldn't get it to That's stay. That's some prison shit. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I tried to make shit out of guitar, you know, uh, Walkman motors and all that. And none of it ever worked. It just worked like, yeah. it worked like shit. But I would try <laughs> and I would try to do little hand poke stuff. And then, you know, then there was living with my uncle for a year. So obviously I wasn't doing anything up there. Yeah. And then I moved back. And and then after, I think, I think after Ray's house, I was living with my aunt in Huntington Beach. And I was just surfing a ton. And she was complaining about how I was uh, stealing her batteries out of her smoke detectors to make homemade <laughs> tattoo <dope>. machines. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, I, and then I was, you know, I was doing a couple of little homemade ones that weren't too bad. And What um, was your obsession with it? You just loved the way tattoo, you just loved the whole culture? and It was, yeah, I was just drawn to it. Yeah. I can't even describe it. You know, why is an artist drawn to, to making art? Yeah. Why is, it, why is a musician like yourself sure. drawn to creating music? I was wondering if like, you saw kids you in the neighborhood with tattoos. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Shit. yeah I mean, everybody dope. had homemade tattoos yeah. and different things. I mean, it was that kind of neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then I, you know, I, my friend introduced me to this girl named Kristen. Okay. And um, I'm gonna try to get through this uh, this story without getting emotional because okay, I won't look at you. No, 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 it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I, dude, I'm, I'm very secure in my masculinity, bro. It's it's because um, it's because the person that this ends up, you know, being important of just passed away. Like oh, okay. Three days ago. Oh wow. But um, sorry, that's crazy. no, it's okay, it's okay. But so Kristen. She was like, okay, my dad my dad sells tattoo machines, and I'm going to ask him to sell you a tattoo machine. Now, even though this is super taboo, you can't sell a tattoo machine to a kid, yeah, you know? Crazy. But But she really, you know, she really tried talking to him about it, and I guess um, he agreed. And I went down to this place, and I've told this story before, man, but honestly, this is like one of my, like, one of my most important stories of tattooing. Because yes. I always tell people tattooing found me. Okay. You know, I mean, I was intrigued by it, but... But so she gave me an address. She gave my friend an address to give me. And all it had on it said 20, 22 Chestnut, Long Beach. Okay. And I had to get on a Thomas guide. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> now, cool. now, now, a lot of tattooers out there, just if they're listening to this, they hear the address and they automatically know exactly where I'm heading to. Okay. But it said 22 Chestnut. And I, um, I, you know, I looked it up in the Thomas guide and I wrote, you know, I wrote a map. And my cousins, you know, hopped in the car. I think they were like 12 and 14. I don't know. They were young. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and we jumped in the car, and we drove to Long Beach in that little purple piece of shit Corolla. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? There's nothing down here, you know? And I was driving around in circles, and I finally found this corner, this tattoo shop in this corner, this big building. 
and it said world famous Burt Grimm's twenty two chestnut. You know, yeah. it said expert tattooing and expert. You know, that's awesome. And yeah, there was this sign that's that was out there that Dave Gibson painted um, on the other side too. There's like this little pillar, and you walk in, and there was just one person standing behind the counter. His name's uh, his name is Rick Walters. And oh, yeah, was, rest in peace. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, so he's sitting behind the counter, and he had a red hat on that said, yes, it hurts. You know, like... <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, this great big long beard, and it was all stained all around it from, you know, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, are you Tim? You're my daughter's friend. You know, and I'm like, oh, yes, sir. And he goes... He said, you have $225. That's how much this machine is, $225. I'm all, yeah, I got I got $225. I mean, it was probably, a lot of it was in ones yeah, and change, you know. Like, yeah. That was a big deal for me back then. That mm-hmm. was everything I had and borrowed. Yeah. And uh, my cousin just sat there quietly, and and um, and he brought me back. I sat down at his station. I remember it well. Catfish Carl, the guy who made the machine, he actually posted a photo of Rick's station recently, and it, it, I... That's crazy because my memory's so sour and a yeah. lot of areas and my timelines are all screwed up. But I remember that station, that tattoo station, very well. Mm-hmm. And I sat down at it, and he uh, he plugged it in. And back then, when you bought a machine, it came with a tube and a needle. I think it was yeah. just a nice setup. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to bring that back. I might start doing that now. You know? <laughs> That's cool. But um, came with a tube and a needle, and um, and you know, he handed it to me. He's all, you know how to use one of these things? You know how to use a professional machine? And I just was honest. I'm not going to lie. I was like, no, sir. I, I've only used homemade stuff, you know? And he's mm-hmm. all, okay. And he, gra- he grabbed his um, clipcord, and it was connected to one of those old power supplies with the, like, the meters on it, that, yeah, yeah. Elect- you know, electrical, like, you know, like an electrical engineer would yeah, use yeah. or something, you know? And, um, and he plugged it in, and he grabbed my hand, and no gloves, no anything. He had a cup of water, and he dipped it in the water. And he goes, "It's a good thing you got only you only got three letters in your name." And he wrote my name on my hand, and uh, with no ink, just to kind of give me Holy the lowdown. Shit. Yeah, and I just took it. I took it like I mean, I can't say I took it like a man. I took it like a teenager. Where are you on the top of your hand, or just... right on the top of my hand. Wow. And um, and that's crazy. Uh, he goes, that "That's how it works." And I said, "Okay." And he goes. And I scanned, I scanned the entire station, okay. like scanned it and took a mental note. And I remember seeing Pelican ink on there. And I was like, I know that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I see that in my dad's art station. It's yeah. a drawing ink. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, you, need, you have any ink? And I'm like, uh, no. And he goes, he's like, you want to buy some? I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll sell you this bottle for 100 bucks. And I go, no, thank you. <laughs> and he just kind of, he kind of laughed and he goes, <clears throat> He, he, you know, I think he liked it. I, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, no, you know, that I'm not, you know, you're not getting me over, getting over on me. On ink. <laughs> and, um, and I got my machine and I left, man. And, uh, and I just started going to town on people. He put in, it was a, I think he put in a three needle. As I recall, yeah. there was a three needle liner in there. And I tattooed at least a hundred people with that same little three needle liner. Damn. I sprayed it down with alcohol. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's crazy. And I got one of those power supplies at, at a little place called Orvac down the street from uh-huh. my house. And I, <laughs> I, I just tattooed anyone and everyone that I could. And I think around oh, that time, shit. my mom let me move back in with her to save some money. Okay. You know, we were talking at the time. She let me move back in. She made me pay rent. Wow. Um, she made me pay $400 a month in rent. 
And I remember, yeah, I mean, you could get a you could get a studio apartment for four twenty five around that time back then, yeah. But then you have to pay utilities and all that. And I remember I complained about it once. I'm all, mom, four hundred bucks. Well, the mortgage on the house is three sixty because they bought it in the seventies. Oh shit! And she goes, that's how much the going rate is for a room these days. If you want, you can pitch in on utilities too. And I just went, oh, that's fine. You know? Damn. But she let me set up a station in the garage. And uh, my dad had built a studio in there, so he built a wall that cut the garage in half. That's cool. So I built it in his studio. And um, That's crazy. Yeah. And oh, I just oh, I tattooed that? everyone in the, that I could get my hands on in the neighborhood. It yeah. didn't matter how old they were. It didn't matter. <laughs> like, how old they were. Dude, I... I, I I think I think around that time I was around eighteen, is, okay, you yeah. know, eighteen nineteen when I got yeah. that first professional machine, you know, yeah. And so that's when I kind of say my professional career started, even though I was still pretty unprofessional. Mm-hmm. You know, I had professional equipment. I, you know, I got I started ordering stuff from from tattoo catalogs, and I started meeting other you know tattooers here and there, and they wouldn't mm-hmm. give me any information. But so I um I, but I met this one guy named Kevin Gulio. And he was really cool. And he, um, he's an old punker dude, you know. And he, he talked to me about tattooing, and he was really yeah. nice. And then there's this other guy named Tim. He used to hang out there, and he actually works out in the Midwest, I think now. Amazing tattooer. He worked at Tattoo Land at the time. Okay. And we used to play. We, I mean, we it's, it's strange as it sounds. We bonded through Bubble Bobble that video game. We oh, Bubble sit, Bobble, yeah. We used to just that. sit and play that. <laughs> and Tim would trip out on it because I could beat the game every time. <laughs> That's crazy, uh, random. Yeah, and. <laughs> And so Kevin, he actually was like, what, 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 where are you getting your needles from? And I go, I buy them from Jimmy Steele. Do you know who Jimmy Steele was? Mm-mm. He was like a, a gnarly punker skinhead Back in the dude. Day, yeah. yeah. And uh, a tattoo artist. He passed away a few years ago from, uh, he, got, he got loaded again, got an abscess, and, and I think he was too weak for them to amputate, so they just made him comfortable. Wow. But um, I used to buy needles off of him. And okay. he's like, dude, you don't know how to make needles? I'll take you to my house and teach you how to make needles, you know? Oh, shit. And um, so I went to his house, and I made needles all... Dude, he taught me how to make needles. I made needles until he kicked me out of his house. You know, that yeah. was like a huge deal. Like, I can yeah. make needles now, you know? That's awesome, yeah. The next thing I needed to learn how to do was, like, make ink, and I had yeah. all... <laughs> That's cool. Um, and so, so I learned how to make needles, and then... Um, and I was still doing a, you know, a lot of tattoos in my garage, but they were getting a lot better. And I actually had a portfolio. That's cool. And so I started going around and trying to get jobs. You know, and I went to the first place I went was Classic Tattoo. Yeah. And, um, you know, because that was the shit. Mm-hmm. Classic was, and I lived in Fullerton, you yeah. know. So I went to Classic, and uh, Chummy was behind the counter. He was a counter guy at the okay. time. <laughs> and uh, and he was like, oh, hey. He kind of remembered me from, you know, hanging out in, in that area and all yeah. that. Yeah. And I tried, I asked, I, you know, I said, hey, I'm looking for a job. You know, he's like, oh, let me talk to Eric. And he went back and he said, hey, Eric, there's, you know, there's this guy here, tattoos around here, he's looking for a job. And Eric just looked over and he goes, we're not hiring. Mm. And I go, and that was, dude, I have, that's like tattoo shops, you know. So it's not yeah. like he was like an exceptional dick at the time. Yeah, he yeah. was just doing what tattooers do. Yeah. And I go, um, I go, uh, oh, it's okay, man. I, I totally understand. I'm all, it's, if it's cool, I'll wait until you're done with the tattoo. If you could look at my book, and I'll leave my card. And if you ever consider me when you are hiring, you know, you, you'll have the card on file. And he just looks at me, dead in the eye, and he goes, we're not hiring. I go, Damn. okay, I'll see you later. And Chummy's like, sorry, man. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Damn. And then I went straight over to Romo, Inc. Okay. Danny Romo. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And, and Danny was behind the counter. And he, you know, Danny's so cool. He's just like, 
hey, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm from this neighborhood, and I'm trying to look for a job. And I showed him my portfolio, and he just said, well, you know what? It's kind of more of a family business here, me and my brother, you know. And and uh, he looked at my portfolio, and he was really nice to me. And uh, he said, you know what? Give me your card. Maybe if we leave on a trip or something, I'll have you cover the, sh- you know, cover the shifts. That's cool. And he never called, but... He was really cool. I yeah. told, dude, I told him that story like 15, 20 years later when he was doing a little, <laughs> yeah, he was doing a little shamrock on my on my hand for the, you know, shamrock, uh, shamrock mm-hmm. social club for yeah. for St. Patty's Day, a little single needle one. And he looked at me, he's all, really? With his kind of one eye closed, you know, he's got look. <laughs> and I'm all, yeah, man. And That's he goes, funny, man. He's all, wow, I should have hired you. That's and I'm like, cool. no, nah. I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't have hired me back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but the funny thing was, is years later, Eric actually told, uh, Chummy asked me if I wanted to work there. And I was in a really comfortable place at the time. I was in a great spot. Okay. I was working with some badass tattooers, and I was stoked, and I was yeah. progressing. And and I said, you know what, man? I would love to, but I'm in a good spot. But tell him, um, I'm going to tell him that I'll definitely keep that on hand. If, any, if yeah, it doesn't yeah. work out here, I would love to go down there. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, Chummy, does he remember that I was that kid that came in or whatever? <laughs> He's all, nah, he doesn't remember. I'm all, tell him the story. I bet he'll get a laugh out of it. <laughs> and he goes, ah, oh, fuck, you know? It's like, so I, crazy, man. I'm always it's addicted to people, and it gets me into trouble like this. And he laughed about it. Wow. And we, yeah, we were always cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no, there was no offense taken, but um, I always thought that was funny, you know. That is and crazy, now, dude. I now I own the place. It's so you know? crazy, man. Yeah, Isn't that it's, wild. It's so crazy, dude. Man. If you would have told me back then, like if somebody would have stopped me, some fortune teller from the future would have stopped me as I'm walking in from my piece of crap car in the classic to try to get a job back then, it, it would have said, How many years hey, later was that? Just like- so you know, don't don't get too down on yourself when you get turned down because you're going to own this place someday. I would have nice. laughed and said, yeah, whatever you say there, crazy guy. How many years later is it since? <laughs> I don't know, man. I must have walked least, in yeah. there in the late 90s. Yeah. No, mm, 97 you know you'd have to ask chummy yeah that was when chummy would just got a job there so um so i don't know yeah but uh but i mean i i bought the place now i bought the place five years ago now okay so yeah so yeah i was telling that story to somebody about the other day because i was talking about um, how Danny Boy from House of Pain, his favorite movie was The Outsiders, and he just bought The Outsiders' house. He redid the whole thing. He brought all this money to the community. He moved to wherever it's at, Montana, wherever it is. Um, and so Danny Boy moved there. He's like the mayor of the town, but he restored The Outsiders' house from his favorite movie, made wow, a museum. Wow, that's so it's pretty cool, cool like man. his childhood favorite movie, you know? Yeah. That's what you do. You got, you got your favorite spot, like your shop. Oh, it's yeah. amazing, Dude, man. there's a guy there, John Troller, who's been working there for 12 years or something. Yeah. And I tattooed him when he was 15 out of my garage at my mom's house. And he told me then, all I want to do is become a tattooer and I want to work at Classic Tattoo. Wow, man. And he works there. He's living his dream as well. That's amazing, man. It's pretty wild. But I haven't changed anything. I've only brought more stuff in, just more old stuff, more, you know, a lot of my collection. Yeah. I've changed, the only changes I've made are are things that, um, that I that I know from Eric's friends telling me that he that he wanted anyways. Like he always said, yeah. it was too big of a lobby. So I pushed out. I did the original, like all the original trim and everything. I, I had this guy Rob Copes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Eric's friend, and he he you know pushed it out, but still rebuilt it exactly the same as yeah. what, how all the countertops were. And yeah, I did things like that. You know, I just got a new neon put in. A lot of guys don't know this. Because they haven't been buying in a while. I accidentally broke the old neon. I was so oh, bummed. I, I got it, it made exactly the same way, but this time I had Eric Mosky's in cursive wrote above it. Oh, you know? that's cool. 
Yeah, when I was buying the place, man, the dad, uh, the dad, uh, Dave, I never saw him get. Dude, he's a gnarly dude. I yeah. met him when I got sober. He um, he helped me a little bit during that time, and and we became uh, we became friends. Actually, we knew each other before that, but I got close yeah. to him when that happened. Um, but uh, I remember sitting him at breakfast when we were going over the arrangements for me to try to buy it, and uh, and he's all, "What are you gonna name it, man?" And I'm like. What the fuck do you mean? What am I gonna name it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, what are you gonna name it? Tim Hendricks classic tattoo? Are you gonna change the whole classic tat part?" And I'm like, "No, Dave. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be still named Eric Mosky's classic tattoo. If, that's cool, man. I'm like, if that's okay with you, yeah. And he just kind of looked at me puzzled, and he's like, "Yeah, that's okay with me, man." He's all. So you do that, and he and he, he had got crocodile tears. Man, I never oh, seen man. this guy get emotional in my life. Yeah, and he got teared up, and I'm all, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's Eric's name. That's his yeah. shop. You know, I just I feel like I'm the caretaker for now. Totally. I'm doing my best, and believe me, I've been critiqued. You know, and I got yeah. a lot of watchful eyes, especially when I first bought it, man. Mm-hmm. There was people that called down angry and screaming, and really? people hating. Well, you know, they they everybody thinks that that it, it should be. The way they remember it, or totally, the way, totally. or with the way that they're they're basing it on their relationship with Eric, you know. And yeah. I can never, I can never compare mm-hmm. to Eric. Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. I'm not Eric. Yeah, and 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 it's like I, I can't, I can't bring him back, mm-hmm. and I can't compare to the friendship and the way that you remember that, and the vibe that maybe it was when you got your first tattoo there, and the yeah. the, the way you remember that whole experience. Totally, you know, and and. But what I can do is just carry on that tradition the best way that I know yeah, how. Yeah, respectfully, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. In, in a in a respectful manner, you know. Yeah. And when I told Dave, you know, I said, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm, my name's fine." Like Good Time Charlie's is still Good Time Charlie's, and yeah. Jack Rudy owns it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And Jack Rudy is still fucking Jack Rudy, you know. But yeah. but it's still Good Time Charlie's, and Burt yeah. Grimm's was Burt Grimm's forever. Rick Walters ran that shop for twenty years, you know. And yeah. but it was still Burt Grimm's, and yeah, everyone still cool. knows who Rick Walters is, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So so it was kind of like you know. It doesn't matter, you know. My name's my own name. Yeah, people and know you already. Yeah, the shop's a shop. Yeah. So when you start, so you started tattooing a lot and started getting the name out there, and you were still kind of partying. So what was, what was, what was, the, what made you want to become sober? Was it because of your career? Or was it that? death? Okay. <laughs> well, that's yeah. <laughs> that would do it. I mean, dude, I, I tell, I, I kind of tell people now, you know, especially, um, especially younger kids who, who look towards guys like us who have actually time because it's kind mm-hmm. of an anomaly to stay sober this long, yeah. especially to. Especially to be addicted to hard drugs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one day I'm going to have to have this conversation with my kids, and I talk to my because I'll 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 just speak plainly about it. Yeah, and I talked. You know, I talked to my friend Chuku, and he says, "Don't say that stuff because once they find out." <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, I talked to I've talked to my mom, and my wife about it, and I've just come to the decision where I'm just going to talk about it. And if they hear interviews like this, it's okay because everything ended up on a positive note. I yeah, just, I just, totally. I just, God forbid, they they go down that path and have to learn. I hope they learn from my mistakes and not their own. But when you're addicted to to opiates like heroin or oxycontin, the chances of Getting sober and staying sober, I mean, it's, I think it's less than 10%. Damn. You know, so, yeah. so I'm either destined, like, if I live forever, I would still, I would get loaded again. 
So what I'm trying mm-hmm. to do is I'm trying to get to the finish line, which is my death, <laughs> without getting, without, you know what I mean, relapsing. Yeah. So, so it's either die or relapse. And if I relapse, it's either die or get sober. Yeah. So it's really simple. When you break it down like that, it's simple. So I got to the point where it's a progressive disease, you know, and, um, and it progressed really slowly with me. Yeah. You know, and I was very functional because I kind of based, I kind of like based my life to fit my habit perfectly. Gotcha. You know, I mean, I was a freaking tattoo artist for crying out loud. I I, I didn't have to be at work till noon and I'd still show up late. Yeah. Like I get down on my employees for that, but I understand it's. They're not junkies. Yeah, they don't have that excuse. Yeah, but it was like you know, I was like, "Come on, Tim, how are you going to show up fucking late to work? You have to be there at twelve. You don't have to be there at nine. I know. And I'd, you know, I'd show up late, but um, but I, I mean, I, my whole life fit my habits perfectly. So it wasn't affecting your work. No. It wasn't affecting my work. I could still hustle and make money. And mm-hmm. then tattooers get paid that day. I get cash in my pocket that Crazy, day. Man. So I would just go out and and you know get wasted that night. Um, and then the more money I made, the larger my habit got. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so for me, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like when I got sober, I was living out of my car with some crazy tweaker chick screaming at me out of the mm-hmm. window. And I was in a Chevron bathroom trying <laughs> to keep the door closed while trying to find a vein, Yeah, you know, like I actually never put a needle in my arm. I never actually, you know, went intravenously because... I figure once I did that, the the romance was dead. Okay, and I'd gone to a whole nother level. Yeah, so I would just smoke and snort and um in any other way, you know what I mean, orally yeah. take. But um, so it wasn't like that, you know. When I when I when I showed up and asked people for help, I was doing pretty good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I wasn't. You know, I had like a Harley. I had- <laughs> I hadn't lost everything like like some other people do because it was just such a slow progressive disease and and it it allowed Mm -hmm. me time to fit everything perfectly around it. Yeah. But when I when I finally got to the point where I decided I wanted to get sober, because I had tried many times before that, and I was kind of like, dude, I'm over trying. Yeah. You know, I kind of I had actually given up and been like, I'm gonna be just a functional addict for the rest of my life. Damn, there's people that do that still, man. There's musicians that still do that. Yeah, yeah. And I won't say no names, but there are. It's insane. Oh, I I still have friends that you know they're functional, they're very functional act. There's different types of alcoholics and addicts. Yeah. You know, there's lots of different levels. That's what makes it so hard to identify yourself as one. Mm -hmm. You know, how am I supposed to identify myself as as an addict when everything you're taught as a kid is if you're an addict, you're in an alley somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just waiting for the methadone clinic to open up and then after that you're going to go try to hustle up some more totally dope yeah that's what i was taught was an addict and i was like Mm -hmm. well i'm not an addict look at me and so it's not like i had like it's not like i had like a drug using problem you know i or a a stopping problem like i could stop i would stop all the time and i you know i detox and i watch movies and just take a bunch of you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah Happy pills that helped yeah. me get through the detox, and then I'd stop doing those, and then I'd be fine for a few months, and then I'd start again. And then it would be worse each time. So I had like a staying stopped problem. Gotcha. But when I eventually stopped is because I had a heart attack. And um, Holy shit. Yeah, I had a cardiac arrest. Doctors don't like to call it heart In attacks. In your 20s. You know? No, it was, I was 33 oh, when okay. that happened. Oh, shit. I had just met the love of my life. I met the woman. I'm going to adjust the mic so I can lean Holy back a little bit. Holy shit. I met the woman of my dreams. My wife now, and um, we were hanging out in Miami, and we were partying. And my wife still says she's like, "Man, I I did more drugs my entire life in that short period with you than I ever did like before that." Wow. <laughs> but um, 
but we party and she's a normie, you know, she's not an addict in any way, shape or form. She could take it or leave it. But she, um, we were partying in Miami and I was working and, and, um, I bought a bag and I was doing Oxycontin and she went to bed at like probably 7am. We just watched the sunrise and we went back to the little apartment and uh, she went to bed, and I was just like, "Well, I'm not going to bed. There's still like half a bag left. I'm just going to keep sitting in there because you can't. I can't just like not do it if it's yeah. there. So Damn. I'm just still doing it, and um, I just felt all funny, man. And I, I kept getting these weird sensations and these weird feelings and symptoms. Yeah, I start typing it into WebMD. I'm not kidding you, dude. <laughs> oh, WebMD, shit. and it just kept coming up: cardiac arrest, cardiac arrest, cardiac oh, arrest. Shit. And I was like, no way. Let me wait a little longer. I'll wait a little longer. Maybe it'll pass. You know, it's just the drugs. It's just the drugs. And um, and then I read on WebMD, it said, the most common reason why people die of a heart attack is not really the heart attack itself or the, the cardiac arrest itself, because that can be fixed if you're out yeah. of the hospital. It's that they wait too long to go to the hospital. Oh, shit. And I hear about it. I know people that have passed of cardiac arrest because they, you know, they and they were complaining about a pain three days before. Yeah. Three days, Yeah. And um, Fuck. and so I went, shit, man. I woke up my wife. She's like, are you serious? I'm like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to call Mark. I didn't have a car. Okay. I'm not going to call a taxi and wait for a taxi. I called my friend Mark, and he had gotten sober about two, two three years before me. And yeah. We used to party a lot in Miami. Okay. He was out showing people houses. He did real estate. And he swings over, picks me up. By the time he got there, I needed help down the stairs. By the time I was like, he was running every red light on the way to Cedar Sinai in Miami. I was laying in the back of my car, or his car, and I was my peripheral would kind of come in and out, yeah. you know, and I was still conscious, and I was just you know pale and looking up at my wife, and my wife's crying and she's looking down at me, and I remember thinking Damn. this is the most selfish moment of my fucking life. I felt so selfish. I remember Damn. thinking that. My poor wife barely even knows my mom. I don't even think she they met yet. She just knows of her, and she's gonna have to call my mom and tell her that her son died of a drug overdose. Fuck, man, it's heavy, man. That's all I could think about. Like I just had to put the love of my life that I just I I just met the one. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put her through this. And um, you know, that my speaks friend, volumes about you guys are together and got married after that. It's amazing, man. Yeah, right. It's fucking awesome. And my 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 friend Mark is just kind of you know blasting through a light. He said he blasted through a red light and a cop was on the alternate side and he just looked and he said he didn't he didn't chase after him. Weird. I think he knew exactly where we were going. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, crazy. So, you know, they took me right in, man. Obviously, you know, that goes without saying. They busted me right through. They put me on a, on, you know, on a bed. They immediately started putting, poking me, you know, and putting things in my arm. They asked me if I was on any, any drugs and I said I've been taking cocaine. And actually, I didn't say it at first. They said, you know, if you don't tell me you're taking cocaine and you have cocaine in you, this drug I'm about to give you is going to kill you. And I went, oh, yes, I've taken cocaine. Damn. And, um, and so uh, they gave me other drugs, and they came in, and they, after they had kind of stabilized me somewhat, they gave me a big, huge shot at Ativan. And I asked her, because I remember going, oh, my God. I just felt like totally comfortable with dying if it happened right there yeah. and I go what was that and she's all out of van and she's looking at the monitor and I go are you trying to rule out panic attack and she goes yeah and I'm looking at the mm. monitor we're both looking at the monitor and I go it's not a panic attack huh? and she's all nope so, but you're gonna be okay I'm like okay and um, 
They were really, they were really mean. You know, they treated me like a fucking drug addict. Yeah. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> they really mean. Yeah. It's and like uh, except for this one guy, he was. Uh, I think he was like doing his residency there. You know, a, like a newer, a younger guy. And he goes, he comes in. He was really cool, and and he explained a lot. He explained why they want to hold me overnight. Yeah, they want to monitor my enzymes every hour. They monitor it and they they do a test and they see how much damage I've done to my heart. Because when you have a cardiac arrest, you actually you, pieces of your heart die. Oh fuck! And they don't come back. You know, you you Scary. injure the muscle. It's yeah. a very important muscle. And uh, yeah. and uh, I understood. You know, and I go well. I don't really want that because I have insurance, but it's not amazing insurance. And I'm sure the hospital bill right now is about 20 grand. Exactly. I've been here for eight hours. And he goes, well, I can't let you go. I can't let you go, uh, you know, like, sign, like I can't recommend you to leave, but you can leave if you want to leave. Take yourself out, yeah. And so I signed myself out, and oh, I wasn't, they weren't allowed to pull the IV out. So I had to actually, like, pull that slithery little, like, catheter thing Fuck, out man. and patch myself up. And I walked out all frail, and the sun was beating on me, and I felt like a vampire walking out into the sun. And I sat on the curb and waited for Mark to come get me. He was, you know, still out doing work or whatever. And yeah. I sat there with my wife. Well, my now it was my wife, and um, and I remember, like, I remember, I remember saying to myself, because I'm not really religious. I'm agnostic. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't believe one way or the other. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like. Man, to any powers out there, to to the forces of nature, <laughs> yeah. to God, if you if there is one, if you man, if you if you if I get through this, if I live through this, I swear I'll never touch this stuff again. Damn. And I broke that promise. I screwed up three times after that over a period of three months. Because you know what okay. I mean. I, I was seeking help, but hey, man, I'm you know yeah. what I mean. It's a really human. hard thing to do. Yeah. I'm human. And I had three screw ups after that. They weren't bad, just like little things. And then. And then, um, and then I stopped. And uh, two nights before I got married at the courthouse in Honolulu, um, my friends came over, and they, you know they didn't know what I was struggling with. I wasn't going out telling people yeah. I'm really trying, dude. I'm really trying to not, you know, get yeah. high anymore. They all came over, and we partied at my ha- at my house in Hawaii when I was living there before I got married. Um, and I screwed up. Yeah. And then so the next day. The next day after that is the first day that I, you know what I mean, that I, yeah. can, you know, consider, you know, this is when I'm going to start. Yeah. And that's the, dude, that's still my sober date. Wow. What yeah, is a, that? What year is that? A day before my wedding, my anniversary. It's crazy, man. It's 10 years ago, dude. Well, my anniversary is the 27th of next month. Yeah. Wow, man, 10 years, that's awesome, man. Next, next month, man, it'll be 10 years yeah. that I've been married and that I've uh, been sober, having a drink or a drug. It's amazing, man. And I've had, dude, it's been hard. There hasn't been yeah, easy times. sure, it's a struggle. But, oh, man, my life is so much better without drugs and alcohol yeah. in it. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, man. Um, but really And there, think- there's guys, you know, like, there's guys that hit me up and be like, man, I'm only like three months in. And I really just want what you have, and I wish I was where you're at. And I tell him, I say, hey, man, if I could give you what I have right now, I would love to. Yeah. I would love to give you what I have right now because it's amazing. My life yeah. is so amazing now, but I would not want to rob you of the journey. Yeah. You know, and they, and they, they get stoked. They, it gives them, like, that hope of, like, yeah. okay, the journey is going to be okay, too, you know? And Yeah. 
And it's hard. I mean, dude, that it's first cr- month that I was sober felt like a year. I'm sure, The man. first year felt like 10 years. Yeah. And then every year after that, it's just flown by, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. But it didn't really affect you as like a tattoo artist and all your success and well, no, the respect people have for your art and everything. Well, because, and this is not in promotion of drugs and alcohol, but they took me to places spiritually, emotionally, and mentally that I couldn't get to any other way. Yeah. Um. And for an artist, it's very alluring. It's very attractive. Yeah. But but now I now being sober in mm-hmm. my head and being clear minded yeah. and dealing with a lot of stuff like dealing with my dad's death after I got sober, dealing with all these things that I just pushed swept under the rug yeah, for so many years. From, yeah. Yeah. Um, now I get to places spiritually, mentally, and emotionally in my mind that there's no way I could get to when I was loaded. Mm. And and I have just as much inspiration now, if not more, being sober than I did when I was loaded. Yeah, and um, being a father, everything. Yeah, yeah husband, all of it, man. Yeah. You know, because people always say, "Where does your inspiration come from?" I fucking yeah. hate that question. I hope you didn't have it written down nah. on there, and nope. I offended you. Nope, it's not on here at all. <laughs> but man, artists artists get asked that so much, and I'm I like, know. "What do you mean, life?" Totally experiences, man. yeah, experiences. You know, the highs and the lows. Yeah. Nothing in between. There's nothing in between. That's going to get you, give you inspiration. You know, you're not going to wake up and be like, well, I feel mediocre today. Yeah. I'm so inspired. You know, that's you're, true. You're, you're, you're tortured or you're super happy. And that's why a lot of artists, like great artists, ended up being like, they found out later or they, or they, they found out during the time that they were bipolar or manic or whatever. Yeah. You know, they had these issues because they just, that was the only way for them to calm mm-hmm. the, the demons. Yeah. Or to, you, or, to you know when you're happy you're inspired yeah you know when you're depressed sometimes you're not inspired but you i don't know man it's it's very strange it's hard to describe Mm -hmm. but um but now i'm just as inspired as ever man and i still paint when i can yeah um i love to tattoo i love it just as much today as i did when I was when I got that first machine from Rick yeah. Walters and went home and started tattooing people, yeah, you know it's just That's amazing, as, man. It's just as magical for me. I just, I, you know, and I and you know things have changed. Yeah, and guys complain about them. Mm-hmm. Dudes sit and they they moan about it and they whine about it. Yeah, and it's like, dude, I don't, yeah. What do you think? It's just gonna be that way forever. Yeah, everything changes. Music yeah, industry, it's everything. Like, it's the equivalent of Al Bundy laying on the couch with his hand in his pants, talking about his high school football years. Like yeah. it's just not gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and you can stop being addicted to that struggle and move on, or you can just stay in it for the rest of your life. I just choose to just take, you know, to roll with it. Yeah, and to enjoy all the new things that come in. There's some stuff that I don't agree with. Yeah, that come into tattooing. Yeah. And oh. I, I just think it's, you know... Same thing with music. Same thing with music. Yeah. I, I equate a lot of it to how... You, I, I honestly, like, with music, I equate a lot of it to tattooing. I'm like, man, this is how must, they must feel. Yeah. You know? Because um, there's no more soundboards. And there's yeah. No, yeah, it's know? true. You don't That's need... True. People are creating... People are creating number one hits from their bedrooms. On their phones. Everything. On their yeah. phones. Yeah, man. On a little laptop that they can do in a Starbucks. Like, oh, I created this number one hit in Starbucks on my spare true. time. It's insane, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's people out there that are tattooing with these crazy little pens that they buy from a corporate company. Like, there, dude, there's this corporation called the Nexus Brand Corp, and they're literally trying to buy up every tattoo supply company there is. And then 
Nexus doesn't make Detegaderm? No, that's 3M. Okay, we're gonna talk about that too. I'm gonna get that. Yeah, yeah, but um, like, but but I mean, so there's these people that have no idea. They don't even know. They think Ed Hardy's a clothing brand. There's tattoo artists out there. I swear to you, there is. There's tattoo artists out there that don't even know Ed Hardy's a real person, and they're making tattoos. You know, this is the it. type. That's that's the side of tattooing that I don't like. But I'm not gonna dwell on it and be yeah. angry about it. You know, I'm just gonna do my best to educate younger people yeah. on what's going on and where I came from. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily make it right. It doesn't mean that I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. that that was that's your path, this is my path. Would yeah. you like to hear about my path? Because I think it's cool, and mm-hmm. you might too. Yeah. You my, know? Yeah. So what this brings me to one of my questions was, you on Miami Inc., which was a pretty big show, and I feel as, as a person who collects tattoos that... It, it did positive and negative things for tattooing. Like totally. More, it, it made people not think I'm a scumbag piece of shit because I have tattoos. When, and actually, I'm, not, I'm totally opposite of that. It made it more acceptable. Yes. You know, my FedEx It brought guys, good tattoos into a, like a town in the Midwest in, right into a television set where normally they'd be like, I didn't even know this could be done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And, but, it did, but it did promote every kid out there who watched that show and, I could be a and, and fell in love with it and saw it and was like, I want a tattoo. I can do that. Yeah. And a glorified tattooing because it's not a glorious business. Yeah. And people think it is because they, they watch the TV shows. They think there's so much glory in this. <laughs> See, you know, and... And not every tattoo has a fucking story behind it. N- no, not you every tattoo. You get a tattoo. random tattoo if you want to get a random tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I have Homer Simpson. I have a little yeah, Homer got, Simpson <laughs> on my arm wedged in between two. There's no great meaning behind that. Yeah. Homer Simpson didn't change my life. I know. You know, but I have a portrait of my father over my chest. That's an important one. I have a, one that my wife did right there. It says, I love you. Sick. Yeah. yeah. That's that's one of, that's probably my most important tattoo yeah. next to like the scribble that my kid did on my leg. Like one of those two, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, but... um. So you were on there. You were on, you were on, that was a pretty big show. I remember I was on there once, got two, tattooed by Garver. That was awesome. Yeah, that's right. It, it was cool. It was just a cool Me too. Like, I was on it before I, I was on it getting tattooed oh, you before were? I was actually a tattooer yeah, on the show. So, I mean, that, I think that changed everything as far as like making acceptable. Like the dude at my Trader Joe's has his eyelids tattoo. He has his neck tattoo. My FedEx guy has a neck tattoo. Yeah. This shit would never happen. Yeah. 20 years ago. It's an interesting thing being heavily tattooed because you are discriminated against, but at the same time, we kind of did this to ourselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> I like, know, to not fit in, to not fit in and kind of be the... Yeah, we weren't born with our tattoos know, on, our, on us. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but, it, but, it is, but, but it is discriminatory to look at someone and to label them for f- judging the book by its cover. It's, Especially in it's discriminatory. In yeah. Yeah, totally. You know? Police have fucked me several times. Yeah. Totally. I've been pulled over and had the, the guy shine his flashlight in my arms and then say, you on parole or probation or anything? And I go, <laughs> no. Do you ask everyone that question? Yeah. So of course I do. And I just laugh. No, you don't. I you don't I- ask a soccer mom <laughs> that question. When I first moved from New York, I got pulled over with my wife. They're like, where are you from, Holmes? And they put a flashlight in my eyes. Why are your pupils dilated? I said, because you have a flashlight in my eye, officer. I gave my New York ID. <laughs> Moon's right there. She's like, do you know this man? He's like, yeah, it's my husband. He's like, what set you from, Holmes? I said, I'm from New York, man. It's like that's not. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's gotten better. It's gotten yeah. better, and that is nice. And I, was and that I fun, Dan Mammy? Because you guys it was a blast. Yeah, it was a fucking blast. And you said you were partying in Miami, so you must have been partying while you're on the show, dude. I- I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, man. I had more fun in my because I can say this. I can say this and not have like my wife. 
you know, be like, well, how's that make me feel? Because we've had to talk about it. Because I had more fun than I've ever had in my entire life when I lived in Miami and was filming for that show. Wow. But I have more joy, like happiness and joy and like just sheer amazingness in my life now. Yeah. You know, but as far as like raw, unadulterated, shallow, just surface, <laughs> surface level fun. Yeah. Man, dude, we would, dude, we'd, we'd work and make a glorious amount of money yeah. every day. I'd have enough money to go out, you know, on a, on a good day, go out after work at midnight, eat at Nobu, and then go get bottle service at a club, you know, Damn. maybe get another bottle, buy, you know, a, a gram or two of cocaine, get a, wow. get a bindle of heroin. and You live in that life, and, man. Yeah, live the life and wake up and, you know, on the 13th floor of my apartment or, or whatever, you know, and, and you know, Fuck. near the, to the shores and and overlook all of South Beach and do it all over again every single day and still have my rent paid before the week's even over. You know, Damn. it was like, How many it years? was like incredible. Yeah. You know, and, and we were the kings of the city. You were, man. We had the keys to everything. Everyone loved that show. It was like a phenomenon. It and was. then in, in Miami, it's its own little country almost in there. Yeah. Miami Beach. So we just had the keys to the city. We could walk into any club. I mean, it didn't matter. It's, <laughs> do you know how hard it is to walk into some of those clubs in I'm Miami sure. and not have a bunch of girls with you to get you into the club? True. We were just like five dudes walking right in, <laughs> awesome. all scumbagged out with tattoos everywhere <laughs> and just awesome. you know T-shirts that looked like they were stretched out in the collar, looked yeah. like we all been into a fight already, and we're yeah. just like, hey. The only thing they wouldn't <laughs> allow was like shorts. Like I remember Morgan one time had to go and throw like just threw his pair of shorts away. And bought a pair of pants while walking to a club so he could get in the club. Yeah. But we could just walk right in to anywhere. You know, I mean, it That's was amazing. It man. was so much fun. How many years was that for you? I don't know, man, how long it lasted. Hell, it probably lasted like the height of it, the peak of it probably lasted about two to four years. Um it changed so much stuff. It changed, you know what, man, it yeah. It changed. It changed tattooing. I think it changed tattooing permanently. Yeah, you know, um, and, a lot, you of, and a lot of a lot of people didn't like that. Yeah, I caught. I got. Of course, I got flack for that. Yeah, but you're still yourself um, on the show. I never changed anything. I yeah. never gave away any tattoo secrets. And in fact, we kind of that was a, an agreement. It might have even been a written down agreement because the guys wrote a lot of that stuff down and got yeah. their contract settled before I came on later. Yeah. Um, but they weren't allowed to film or show any tattoo secrets. So, like one time, I had to do a little thing with the needle that it's like one, you know, our, one of our little secrets, mm-hmm. and we make a needle a certain thing. And when they came over to film me, and I went, "Oh, this is a tattoo secret," and they went, "Oh, okay," and they just turned around and walked away. So all the filmers, all the audio guys, everyone knew on set yeah. that they were never they were they they were never allowed to reveal tattoo secrets. A lot of people yeah. don't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, yeah. Um, so I mean, like, what did we really do wrong mm-hmm. besides? Promote to, the, to some kids, you know what I mean, that they wanted to tattoo. You know, it made them yeah. want a tattoo. They're going to see a tattoo. If these kids really want a tattoo that hard, they're going to see a tattoo somewhere and and do it anyways. No matter what. But like, like what did I do? Like, I, I, I was still myself. Yeah. I did good tattoos. I showed the world that, you know what I mean, you can, you know, good tattoos can, can be done, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, and it was, you know, it, it, what I liked about Miami Inc., which wasn't this way on the other shows, was it was, it was just ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was really cool, man. And yeah, 
People wanted to hear the stories. They didn't really care so much about us as much as they did about hearing these really neat stories yeah. and then the tattoos that, that were connected with them. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, and yeah, not every tattoo has a story, but these ones did, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, they would always try to be like, well, we got to get the one, we, you know, there's always the sad one. Yeah. You know, the music comes down. Yeah. Those and are every, heavy, yeah, man. yeah. And I always, I, I those were hard, man. Because yeah. You're, 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 when you're next to somebody and you're touching them and you're talking to them and you're doing this tattoo for them, you, you start becoming connected with them, you know? Yeah. And, and you feel what they're going through and you, you know, you have to take that home with you. Yeah. And, and we didn't have to tattoo a lot on this show. It was a lot of hurry up and wait, you know? Like, and there was a lot of guys tattooing. You can only film so many tattoos at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you tattoo twice a week, two, three times a week. And every once in a while, you get one of those ones, you know? Yeah. Those like, oh, this is going to be a gnarly <laughs> one. And you met your wife out there during the no, show? No, I met my wife. Dude, I met my wife when she was 19 in Hawaii. Oh, shit. Years we- before we started really hanging out. Okay, before you were living there. Yeah. Okay, I, I wow. I was broken up with my ex-girlfriend. I broke up with her for a little while, like a month or two. I went out to Hawaii to surf, what I always do in the winter. And I met my wife... And it was funny, man. My my friend, who I'm still really good friends with, yeah, uh, we both are. He he kind of liked her a little bit, or expressed a little bit, like, oh, she, you know, I'm kind of into her. She's cool. <laughs> and they all came over, and we all hung out. And then I hit him up, and I said, um, like a week later or something, or a few days later, I'm like, hey, did you ever tell that girl? Or did you ever like try to make a move on that girl? Or whatever. He's all, no, bro. She's into you. And I'm like, oh, what? Shit. I guess she told her friend that she kind of liked me. And I was like, oh, well, man, hey, I don't, you know, he's all, no, nah, you should hang, he's not a hater, this dude. Yeah. He's like, no, you should hang out with her. She's really cool, man. Like, I think you, <laughs> I think you should try to hang out with her. I'm all, really? He's all, yeah. So he kind of, you know, hooked us up and um, and we hung out a little bit while, while I was out there. And I, you know, I liked her. I thought she was cool. That's and awesome. I went back to Cali and I hooked up, you know, I got back with my ex-girlfriend. And I got back with her for another four, four and a half years. Oh, shit. And I would stay in touch with my wife here and there, you know, like on MySpace or something like that. And and then uh, after I broke up with my ex, about a year later, she hit me up. Maybe it was earlier than that. And she said, hey, I'm moving back out to, um, I'm moving back out to North Shore from, she was living in San Francisco at the time. Did you want to hang out or move back out to Hawaii? Do you want to hang out this winter? Are you going out there? And I said, yeah. So we started hanging out. That's awesome. dude. I hung out with her December, December 10th. I mean, I told her I loved her like two weeks later. She's told wow. me the same. About Amazing. A, a month or two later, I bought a ring. Um, I proposed a month after that in Italy. Uh, um, during, you know, we, we, we went for a convention. It's it was awesome, in Milan. Man. I took her to this little square in Milan over by the church. Yeah. And I proposed to her in Milan and on Valentine's Day. And then... Um, Two months later, we were married at the courthouse in Honolulu, and we've been married amazing. ten years. Yeah, that's I amazing. can't imagine my life without her, man. Yeah, man, that's awesome story. Yeah, ten years sober, ten years married. I can't believe she stayed with me for ten years. <laughs> Do you ever think that? Do you ever think like it's crazy? I'm man. crazy, bro. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm such a work in progress, and mm-hmm. I, I have all these things. You know, like you know, I've definitely getting sober. I took a really good look at a lot of my faults and my shortcomings, and all yeah. these people I had apologized to, and. You know, like I made amends to a ton of people, and I'm like, I can't believe there's this broken, just you know what I mean, like yeah. crazy person that I am. That she loves me and wants to be with me yeah. for that long, you know. And how, how did it becoming a, a dad change your life? Oh man, dude, I never wanted to have kids. I remember, I remember talking to you. About yeah, it I remember time. this. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell it to the 
anyone who's listening, but <laughs> I, remember that. I didn't want to ha- get married, ha- own a house, or have kids. I wanted to be a, you know, like a Rolling Stone my entire life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I met my wife. What can you do? You yeah. meet this one, and you're like, I'm convinced. I, I've never been more sure of anything. I want to spend the rest of my life totally. with this person. So I, I married her, and then, you know, she wants to have kids, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Dude, she talked to me about this in London. We were just in Amsterdam. I was working for Hank, uh-huh. Hank Schiffmacher. And then we were we were in London, and we were in the room, and she's like, well, I want to have a talk. And when I when she says this, I'm like, oh, shit. Because she does it. scary when they say yeah, that. Yeah, I, I get like that. Dude, it's like worse than about to get into a fight with someone, you know? Like, <laughs> oh. So she said, um, she said, you know, she wanted to have, she wanted to have a kid, and she's just something she wants. And I, she got me to agree to stop preventing. I was like, okay, let's stop preventing, and let's we'll see start. what happens. Yeah. Dude, we got back to the States, and like a week later... She just shows me, she just walks up to me and shows me that she was pregnant. We had the conversation, neither one of us knew. Oh my God, man. She got pregnant in Vegas when we went out there for like a, <laughs> like a trade show thing for Hurley. And oh, they, you know, we shit. got a room with a Venetian and she got pregnant there. Wow, man. So she, so she showed me the stick and I looked at it and went, huh. And she just sat there and she just walked off and we didn't talk about it for like two days. <laughs> <laughs> No reaction, dude. I was just like, <laughs> I was like in mourning. Mm. As crazy as it sounds, I was so scared, bro. I was so bummed about it. I felt like my life was over. Wow. I was scared, but it scared in a way and where that must have made her feel something too. Oh she, yeah, I tried, dude. I, I mean, we talked about it, and I yeah. tried to hide that through the whole pregnancy, but she could feel it. I mean, I, I was scared in a sense where like this, dude, there's only two things that you can never change in life. Like I got sober and I hurt a lot of people when I when I was loaded. Yeah. And I, I got to apologize to those people. I got to make totally. amends with them. There's some that I can't like, dude, I don't remember uh, what car I broke into or what house I did. Yeah. Uh, like uh, I broke into and stole a bunch of stuff and left. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm kind of glad that my memory, I don't even want to get hypnotized because I might remember stuff yeah. and then have to make amends. But you know, I got to make those amends, but dude, there's only two things that you can never change once they're done. You can never take them back in life. There's only two. You can never change it, and that's if you take someone's life or if you create someone's life. That's a good point. And yeah. and I treated it as if I was about to kill someone Damn. because I could never take that back, dude. What was done was done. Yeah. Once you know what I mean, like, and, and it was. And it was kind of too late. Like, I'm not going to tell my wife to have an abortion. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. this she was really is, I knew this. that this was going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is like killing someone. I can never take this back. Mm-hmm. And I have to take responsibility for it after it's done because I'm not the man that's going to run from anything. Yeah. And so I was like, dude. And then these people were going, oh, man, it's going to be great. Don't worry. It's gonna, it's gonna, you're going to love it. It's like, that's like, that's like you have this car. Because my life was great before this. Yeah. So I have this car, and I love this. This car is perfect. Most of my friends, a car obviously being a metaphor for life. Most yeah. of my friends, man, they fuck their cars up. Their cars are like yeah. peg-legging around. They're only running on a few cylinders yeah. left. You know, and I'm like, man, yeah. they fucked that car up. And my car was good. I loved my car. My car was great. Yeah. And I worked hard on that car. And someone comes up and says, sorry, man, I'm just stronger than you, and I'm taking your car. And I'm giving you a new car. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, 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 man. I like my car. My car's fine. They're like, sorry. There's yeah. nothing you can we can do about this. You're getting a new car, but trust me, you're going to love it. And you go, okay, well, let me test drive it. Nope. You don't get yeah. to test drive it, see it, know anything about it. 
Nothing. You're just going to have to trust us that you're yeah. going to love it. Yeah. You're like, dude, what the it's fuck, so scary, man? man. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to change. <laughs> so, man, I was I was like I was that way all the way up until the day of his birth. Wow. And I was even like, when she got taken away, my wife had to have a cesarean. His head was way too big. His hips never, uh, her hips never kind of widened and opened up. He was like a week late. So they they take her, they wheel her away and I'm sitting there in the room Mm. and I had a lot of time to think because they forgot to come get me. They already started cutting her open and we're like halfway done with it when they ran in and got, yeah. Because my wife, (laughs) my wife looked at the anesthesiologist and goes, can I, excuse me, can I hold your hand? And she goes, yes, of course. Where's the husband? And the the nurse went, and she ran out and grabbed me. Oh shit. But um, while I was in that room, I was like, I can't believe this. My life is over. My life is over. Mm -hmm. And, um. And they brought me. It's so funny to say, man. And it's but you crazy. know what? I think a lot of dads need to hear this story. You know? Yeah, for sure. And um, and I and they brought me in the room, and I'm sitting there. I'm holding. I, I could see right when I walked in. I was smiling. I had my film camera. I had this old Nikon around my my thing. I'm, I'm going to take some photos. And I look around, and everyone's real serious. This is not like yeah. the happy moment I saw on TV. Yeah. And I just instantly threw my camera behind me. You know, on the on the thing, just whipped yeah. it behind me, and I ran over. I sat down on the chair, and I grabbed my wife's hand, and I said, "I'm right here," because she looked scared. Yes. And she was being jerked around the table. The sure, Syrians are, are pretty violent. A whole yeah. childbirth itself is, is violent in some ways. Yeah. And then, man, that baby, I could hear, you know, them bring the baby out. And this is like a sucker thing or whatever. And then I just heard him crying. I started bawling. And they dropped, there. dude, they dropped down the thing and I cried like a baby. Me too, man. I just started crying. crying now thinking about it because I cried all night that night, dude. Dude, it was crazy. It's, I stayed up with him all night. My wife was so beat, she just fell asleep. Me too. And I just sat there all night. I laid there with him and I propped him up because they can't sleep. They're supposed to be playing at night. I know. And I, and I had his little mittens on so he wouldn't scratch his face. Yeah. And, and I kept him from crying. And then I put, you know, I took his mitten off and I put his hand in his mouth so he could suck on his hand. And I remember the whole thing, man. Everything. Yeah. The whole thing. And, I, and it changed my life. Instantly. It does. Oh, like within 24 hours, man. So I always tell people, and this is the best way I can describe it, it is the greatest thing that I never knew I wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was incredible. You know what else people have to understand too, that you, you don't have to adapt to their life. They adapt to your life. Like life isn't over. Life's just beginning, but your kids adapt to your lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like you don't, you don't lose everything. Yeah, you don't. And, and yeah. you know what? The things that I lost, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care, man. Yeah. I love my routine in the morning and... And I love waking up, and I, I quit coffee because it gave me such bad anxiety. But um, oh wow, <laughs> uh, well, I'll get into that. But you have two kids on now. So I have two kids, yeah. and I love waking up, and I and I make my tea, man. I make my my Earl Grey in the morning, <laughs> and, and I cook my kids breakfast, or I just make them some cereal, right. you know, and and I make them like a little shake. I have this like organic shake, because so I so I can get them some you know some greens and some mm-hmm. things in the morning, and and I shake it up, and I give it to both of them, and. And um, and then I walk my kid to school every single day, and then awesome, I come back man. and I handle some business, or I build machines, or yeah. I, I do whatever. And and then most of the days, you know, nine times out of ten, I pick my kid up too, and I That's go down awesome, the park. Man. And and there's a little park near the school, and the moms yeah. are down there, and and I know all the moms, <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and and, um, and crazy, that, that way I give my wife a break from two kids. And, sure. And yeah, I do it, man. I do the dad life and I love it. But it yeah. doesn't change, man. I still go to tattoo conventions. Yeah. And my kid's going to grow up. He's going to grow up in a very unique life, just mm-hmm. like your kid. Totally. He's going to grow up with a bunch of tattooed people around him. He's yeah. going to grow up in a tattoo shop. Like, I mean, this sounds bad. And some parents may not agree, but I really don't care. But my kid, he's four and a half. He's a very smart kid, man. He, he mm-hmm. learned to talk really early. You know, he's like your kid. He's just ahead yeah. of his time. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, 
And uh, he, he asked me something the other day, and he asked me again in the car, but he asked me what badass was. Mm. And he goes, he's four, four and a half, he's all, hey, Dad, what's, what's badass? <laughs> and I go, well, it means that something's like really cool. He must have heard me say it. It's something like really cool. It's a way of expressing like, oh man, that's badass. Like a really cool car that you see, Trip. Or yeah. Like, and he says, okay. And then he wants to know, this is when the second time he asked when my wife was in the car. And you know, it's really cool is we both really agree on a, mm. lot, of, a lot of parenting. We don't, we discuss it. And, yeah. Um, which is very important. It's very important. And uh, I, I, uh, he asks if he can say that. And I go, well, and my wife's like, uh. and I go, you know what, Trip? I'll tell you what. You can only say it at home and at the tattoo shop. So if you see Uncle Javi doing a really cool painting or Uncle Bill or Uncle Bucky, you know, <laughs> and uh, it, Uncle thing's a Hawaiian thing, you know, totally, everyone's yeah. uncles and aunties. Me, same with Max. Yeah. yeah. I say, if you see Uncle Bill like making a cool painting and you like it and he says, what do you think, Trip? You can say, that's badass, you know? And he's like, okay. And he's such a smart kid. He goes, why am I only, not, why am I only allowed to say it at the shop or at home? And you know what? I looked at my wife, and I just went for the honest approach. I said, honestly, Chip, because people probably think I'm a bad parent. <laughs> 100%. If you're saying that at school, would you get that from your dad? Yeah. We my dad told too. me I could say. Yeah. But, you know, we like. stuff like that, too, man. Yeah, like, and I, I, think, I, think, I think my way of teaching him about the world and not sheltering him but not exposing him might differ from other parents. Yeah. And you know what? It's just, hey, man, that's the way I raise my kid. And he's exactly. going to, he's going to, back to what we were saying, he's going to grow up in a very unique environment. 100%. And it doesn't change my life because, man, when my kids are old enough, they're going to go to tattoo conventions and you bet your ass they're going to be working my booth for me yeah. and earning their trip out to London or their mm-hmm. trip to Germany. Yeah. And through tattooing, they're going to have so many, so, no, so many people. Yeah. No, so and many people all over the world. Too. Yeah, man. I remember my plane was going to be stuck in Dallas one time. I was coming back. I was like, are you serious? I'm going to be stuck here for a day from a storm. Unfortunately, I made it out. But I remember yeah. thinking, it just went all through my head that, man, it doesn't matter what city I'm stuck in. I, there's so many people I can call up yeah. and just be like, hey, man, can I stay at your house? Or do you know anyone here? And even yeah. if they don't know me, if I'm some weird, crazy spot, they'll be, oh, I have a friend there. I'll call them up. Yeah. And they'll they'll accommodate me, put me up in the place. And and my kid gets to have that. He gets to have this yeah, like, family cool. all over the world that's going to help him out, whether they're musicians or 100%. tattoo artists or professional skateboarders mm-hmm. or professional surfer. Yeah. You know, like, and that's very unique. I love how all these subcultures are all tied in. Me too. You know, so so my life really didn't change that much. It changed for the better. And his life is going to be amazing because of the choices that I made. Yeah. You know, coming, you know, before he was born and the friends that I've, that yeah. I've made, you know? 100%. It's funny because uh, two things. One is that my son thought that everybody was had tattoos because that's all he saw as a young kid. <laughs> yeah, thought, totally. So anybody else without tattoos, that's kind of weird, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that and I was gonna tell you something else about surrounded by people like that. I mean, I just I don't know. My son's so like so open minded from traveling around the world too. It's cool. Yeah, and you know what? It, it's funny because my kid feels the same way. Everybody has tattoos, and yeah. now that I started, dude, my uh, coworker and I, Javi, we started making temporary tattoos for kids. So oh. now they're always tattooed, and their friends are because they're giving these tattoos away to their friends. Cool. Yeah, my son's almost at the age. I think like maybe in a year, I'm gonna have, take him to a convention. And I'm going to set up a little booth next to my booth, like a little station where he can sit there and wait for customers. 
and he can um, sell temporary tattoos and put them on people, put them on kids That's his cool, age man. and parents with kids. Yeah. And he actually lays them on and tells them how to care for it and then has them leave. That's cool. And I, dude, I think that'd be like amazing if he wants to. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Man. It's amazing. It's just like not to, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not. My son was my son's son's a vegetarian. Never had meat his whole entire life. Yeah, that's because he grew up around it. But if he wants to eat meat, he can eat meat. Um, he's not pressured to do that. But he knows where it comes from. All that, yeah. you know what I mean? Just like try to try to lead by example and try to inspire them because we have to be role yes. models, man. Otherwise, you're going to find role models somewhere else. Yeah, with some people it's we might true. not like, you know. And that's the way I look at it, man. Like I mean, like I said, I'm not religious, but I mean, Me I don't drink, I don't smoke, I yeah. don't do drugs, I don't cheat on my wife. I'm a good father to my kids. I provide. Sure. I pay my taxes. Me you know too. what I mean? Like I just yeah. try to lead by example. Hundred percent. And that's the best. I think that's you the best to. way. I can't tell him something, and then not abide by that. True. You know, and um, it's really true, man. Yeah, you and, check yourself too for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so so all the decisions I make now, I'm like, man, what what am I? What what am I? How are my kids going to view this decision yeah. that I made? Is this yeah. something that I want them? You know what I mean to look at, and so it's so it's cha- it's changed me a lot. I've allowed it to. Do you feel like you're? Um, for me, I feel because I have my brothers on my podcast. We're really emotional since my dad died. We had no closure. Like my yeah. dad went to the hospital and never came back. We never saw him again. Never went to the funeral. All three boys never seen our dad again. And now we all now we're all dads. So I feel like I don't know if it's a dad thing, but we're so emotional being dads. Like those TV commercials with the dads and anything where it's a parent is dying. Dude, me fucks too. Fucks me up so much, man. So bad, bro. I watch Field of, Field of Dreams. I can't even oh, watch yeah. the end of Field of Dreams. I oh, just yeah. start crying like a baby, dude. It's crazy. What oh, that movie, The War? Did you see the one with Elijah Wood, The War? Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. Dude, were you I, emotional before becoming a dad? Be. Yeah. Emotional person. So when I got sober, I got a little bit more emotional. Okay, and I remember being like, "What is this? What are these feelings?" <laughs> <laughs> I just basically, I just basically got normal, but I got yeah. way more emotional after becoming a dad. And I think definitely that has to do with that. Like, because I don't really have a lot of fear in me. I don't live in fear, and I don't have a lot of fear. Um, and now I have fears after becoming a father. I have fears because I'm not afraid to die. Even in the moments of death, I just hope that there's someone that I love around me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it would obviously be amazing if it would be my, my family. Yeah. But if it's not, hopefully it's one of some of my friends and they're comforting me mm-hmm. while I die. Um, hopefully it's even faster. I, I don't know. even feel it. You know but I mean? isn't it weird when but, you get old and you have kids, you see their ending? Yes. Not to be morbid. I'm 48 and it's like my son just turned 16. I want to be here forever and just watch him grow and get married and have kids, all that. Totally. But I don't know what's going to happen. It's just, but you can see, holy shit, I lived, so, I lived half my life already. So I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid to die before my kids are ready to take on the world without a father. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, someone, you know what I mean by that? Because obviously yeah. they're never really ready to live without a father, you know? But no. But especially not if they're close, like, mm-hmm. and and that's those are my fears. I'm a fear. I I I have I fear that my children will die before me. Mm. You know, I fear like, dude. I, I, there's so many it's things. Heavy man. So so I do things like I have life. Dude, I have two life insurance policies. I have a life insurance policy for my wife. I have like, you know, I do I I do these things because I'm like, dude, I want I want to leave as much behind yeah. for them as possible when I'm gone. It's to, crazy. To, Everything changes. To man. affect their life in a positive way. You know what else is crazy too is like being with your wife, not having any kids, and get to travel with your wife, have alone time with your wife, all that stuff. And then you're in the hospital. Then you know she becomes a mom that night. And then the next day, all of a sudden, you see your like 
wife breastfeeding. All of a sudden, these maternal instincts kick in. She becomes a mom. It's crazy yeah. to see that transition. It's crazy because you've yeah. never seen your wife like that. Yeah, 100,000 years of evolution kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like that whole transformation. Just, like, holy shit, this, she's an amazing mom. Like 24 yeah. hours. You know what, man? Okay, so... So I was work. I, I I worked with this guy Chuko. He worked at the shop yeah, great uh, for a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he's he's left. He's gone on to greater things. Yeah. and we're super bummed that he's gone. You know. Yeah. Um. But but while while I was working with him, we we worked next to each other. And I remember one time I go, Hey man, can I ask you a question? Because he knew. He's got a great story too about like his his life. his love for his wife okay, and his yeah. life. I mean, his life is incredible. Mm-hmm. But his, you know, his love story with his wife is awesome. He met, he knew, he met his wife when she was 12 years old and he was like a young teenager too. And he said right then and there, he knew he wanted to spend the rest of his life with that woman. Holy shit. It's, it's amazing, dude. Holy but I, but shit. I told him, I said, hey man, you know, before I had kids, all these, you know, these people in my life would tell me, hey, watch out when you have kids, you know, you got to like really work hard at it and you end up becoming roommates and I've seen a lot of people after they have kids that ruin their relationship and they, they're they co-parenting and they're doing a good mm-hmm. job and they're friends now but they're just not in love anymore and and um, and I say, man, did, did you ever feel that way about Amber? Because, and he just kind of looks at me funny, he's waiting for me to finish and I go, because honestly, bro, I, I don't feel that way at all mm-hmm. about... Um, I don't feel that way at all about my wife. If, if, in fact, I feel like I'm more in love with her and I have a deeper appreciation for totally. her now, like a respect for her as a woman. And Mother, like, I, yeah. yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm more in love with my wife than ever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he just laughed and goes, I feel the same way, brother. He's all, it's awesome. I, I, you know, and, and I mean, and not that I'm trying to shame people for maybe they weren't in the right relationship to begin yeah, with or yeah. anything like that. This yeah. is just me as I'm yeah. telling my story, but. But yeah, man, I'm like, it, it just gave me, it, it it brought us into a whole nother deeper level of like family and being together yeah. and, and being connected, my wife and I, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, you always, you, and it you sounds corny and it's like, yeah, yeah, it sounds corny. I don't care. Fight yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and you have two kids too, so you, you, you always make time. You can always make time. Yeah. To yeah, hang man. out. Yeah. And you know what? But time, it's a different connection though, for sure. A different bond. Time spent with your kids is not wasted. I know. The most common thing that people say on their deathbed is that they wish they would have spent more time with their family. You yeah, know what I mean? And yeah. no one, no one, no one's on their deathbed going, oh, I should have made more money. I should have worked harder. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine anyone yeah. saying, I wish I would have worked harder as they're dying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I always try to remember that. You know, that yeah. time spent with my family is never, it's never a wasted moment. Yeah. And, and I've learned to let go because I got issues with like, with like, uh, like workaholic issues, and I get anxiety when I'm not getting things done. Yeah, you grind hard, man. You're nonstop. Yeah, and um, and I've learned to let that go and just be like, hey, set the phone down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, put it on the charger and leave and take the kids to the park and just yeah. not even think about it and just spend time with them. Feels Focus good to on do that. that. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard to disconnect, man. And it's hard, especially for guys like us because we're working. Make, we don't have a nine to five, make, so we're yeah, always a business working. on that phone. You're making money off that phone. You're yeah, <clears throat> setting up your life on that phone. Yeah, totally. It's hard, man. It's really yeah. Speaking of which, I have a gift for for you guys too. So okay, remind awesome. me Thank before you. I leave. Okay, and we'll walk out to my car and I okay, gotta give awesome. you something. Okay, I have two things. Two more things to talk to you about. Yeah. The other one is you had crazy back surgery. Yes. And because I of did. you and Luke Westman ended up getting, and because of that. We connected a friend of mine in New Jersey, Maddie Boy. Oh who, yeah, who how's got, he doing, dude? I haven't, I haven't talked him to him a little bit. I heard he heard it went well when he got it done. But yeah, so obviously 
and the jobs we both have, there's no retirement plan, there's no 401k. I, be- I barely have any medical insurance. That's my own fault. But no, you do what you love because you do it. But obviously, you get hurt on the job. Yes. And so a lot of tattooers, either their eyes are getting bad from squinting a lot. A lot of my friends wear glasses now, or they fuck their backs up. So what happened to you? Was that well, from tattooing or no? So, yes and no. So, I screwed up my back. I herniated a disc originally from, I always had like back issues. It's where I hold all my stress. But you always surfed and skated too, though. Surfed and skated. So, I would injure myself a lot. And I injured myself actually snowboarding was the most I've been injured. Okay. Um, I, I, tr- I was learning how to do inverted maneuvers. Sick. Yeah. You, I mean, I've, I've competed in snowboarding before. Okay. Um, so I was, I, I really was into it and loved it. Yeah. And I was, I tried to do a front flip. Now with a back flip, Damn. you need a little bit more speed because of the rotation. You know, you're actually going backwards and you need extra speed to, to get that distance, but also do a flip. Okay. With a front flip, you kind of rock it right off and you need less speed. Well, I didn't think about that, the laws of physics. So I just flew right off that landing, t- like overshot it by 10, 20 feet. Damn. And I, I herniated a disc. And I didn't, have, I, didn't, I didn't go to the doctor at the time. I went to a family physician. He said, I broke my back too, so I put a crack, a f- f- like a uh, fracture in it. Fuck. And he said, there's nothing you can do. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do your best. Get through it. So I just kept tattooing because who's no one's supporting me but me. I didn't have disability. Exactly, man. So I just started working through it, and I never took care of it. So that disc never really healed properly. It dehydrated. Yeah. And it, it, you know, the bulges finally kind of worked themselves out. And I mm-hmm. would, I would go through periods where I'd throw my back out here and there. Yeah. And then eventually, man, it's, it's degenerative because your lower disc, your, your, you know, you have this disc that's deteriorated. It's not doing its job. And the next one above it is, is taking 200% of the load. It's not like all the discs around it share the load. That one yeah. above it is just, or below it is taking on all the brunt. Mm-hmm. So then it goes. And then the next one, then you're more likely for the next one to go 400%, five, you know, exponential. So, so by the time that I finally was just in so much pain, after I got sober, I was like, man, what is going on? I'm kind of in pain all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because I wasn't numbing it. Yeah. And, um, and I finally realized, you know, I finally went and got an MRI and it was like, whoa, this is for real. Yeah. I had a doctor tell me, like, prep me for it and just be like, look, I'm going to tell you something. And you're gonna have to, you, you know, this is serious, you know, something like because in in the United States, how far behind we are with spine surgeries, yeah. that's like a that's like a, like a death sentence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like you're there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And he told me yoga and pain management would be my best friend. Okay. This, you know, <laughs> guy. Yeah. So I um I finally, you know, I, I just I just dealt with it. And there was moments, man, like, you know, remember when I told you the one time I was like, oh, it's easy to be PMA when your whole life is easy. But then <laughs> it, but then when things are bad, that's yeah. when you're, you're the test of having a positive, sure. positive yeah, mental attitude sure. come into play. And that tested me, man. That really tested me because I've said this before. You couldn't walk either sometimes, right? Yeah, so far. Yeah, up. there was times where I was just couch ridden. And I say this, man, and I, I really mean this, that if I didn't have a family, I really would have considered suicide damn i just had enough because also doctors were telling me there's nothing that could be done yeah. you're gonna have to get surgery after surgery after surgery so just do your best to try and avoid it mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so i was given no hope and then i finally found hope and it was way it wasn't even like a little it was like oh you could be totally fixed you just gotta yeah. fly out here and get this surgery and I, I, dude i thought it was like 
too good to be true. Yeah. I thought it was a scam. Mm-hmm. I really did. I was doing everything in my power to try to prove this scam. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah. that it would prove that it was a scam because I, I couldn't Believe it. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And we're so force-fed propaganda and conditioned here to believe that we have the best medical know, and we man. have this and you know, and in the reality with a surgery like the one that I got, yeah, dude, the 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 pharmaceutical companies lobby bribe basically. It's a mm-hmm. nice way of saying bribing. Yeah. They 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 lobby um and make sure that the FDA doesn't approve surgeries like mine because if they do, they lose billions of dollars yeah. a year in uh painkillers. Yeah. You know what I mean? The most common Everybody's reason, on pills. Yeah. Everyone's on pills, dude. All Yeah. 70 70% of all the opiates done in the entire world are done right here in the United States. Damn. Yeah, that's We just... we make up for every country on earth. That's crazy. So, yeah, and I was sober then. So I, I had, I mean, I had opiates, you know, they, like my wife would monitor it if I ever needed to take them. And I rarely did. I would just take yeah. a ton of ibuprofen and stretch and stretch and just deal with it. And um, and then every once in a while it was too much. And I was like, I need a half a pill. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I would take it as prescribed. Um, And so, you know, to, to kind of remain. Did that you know, scare remain, you to do that since you were sober? Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't want to feel that way anymore. Yeah. I didn't like, to, I don't like to feel that way anymore. Yeah. You know? So I finally found out about some miracle surgery, and and I like I said, I looked into it, and I just finally said, man, I got to try for this. I have no options, mm-hmm. and I sold my Harley, I sold my truck, and Damn. I and I um, I uh, recharged all the rest on credit card. Wow. And I, I I did it, and I Germany, right? Yeah. Germany, yeah. And I went over to Germany. I half expect no one to pick me up from the airport when I got there. <laughs> I half expect I was like, they they scammed me. Uh, you know, you up. should have seen the look on the banker down at Chase Bank when I told him I needed to wire that much money to Germany. It was fifty grand. I'll just wow. be honest. It was forty nine thousand yeah. dollars. Luke's was I think w- uh, way way less than that. Yeah, the euro had dropped, and he only got one. I got three disc replacements <sighs> all in one shot. Damn. So Bremen, Bremen, New Jersey, I think Bremen. I'm Bre- sorry, Bremen, Bremen for Germany. Yeah. yeah, Bremen, Germany. Um, so. A little town outside of Bremen, basically Bremen, but it's called Stenham. Yeah. And I went there and and they did it, man. They did my surgery and it did it in two and a half hours. And Fuck. I was twelve days after surgery, I was sightseeing with my family holding my kid. And, That's insane. You know, man. I wasn't comfortable. I just yeah. got surgery and got a cesarean basically. Fuck, <laughs> so man. I knew I know what my wife went through. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, man. I mean, it's gotten better and better and better. I have my, you know, I have my times where I'm just like, ugh, I'm just my legs feel heavy, heavier yeah. than usual. I have, you know, I have nerve damage from so many years of yeah. of three discs just bulging into different places in my spine. Mm-hmm. But I'm a 40 year old man with a spine surgery. But I'll tell yeah, you what, man. Works. Since my spine surgery, I've gone on all kinds of surf trips. I've, I surf, you know, I, I I surf. I've just got back from a snowboarding trip from Mammoth where I snowboarded for like six to eight hours, two days straight. Damn. I um I trained for and won two boxing yeah, matches. Yeah, boxing, yeah. Um, so, fucking awesome. So, man, I, I mean, I have my life back. That's crazy. Yeah, and you know what? If, you know, they say they'll, they'll last me for the rest of my life, but if something gives or something happens in 10, 20 years, I'll fly back over. Yeah. And I'll get fixed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just life and it's just it improved my quality of life. And yeah. Since then, because it saved, cause it saved my life in a way, I, I spend a lot of time talking to people about it and I'm on a mm-hmm. call list and when they want to call, people who are getting multiple discs especially. Ask you how it went and stuff, get advice. They want to ask yeah. me how it went. I tell them my whole procedure and the, yeah. you know, the lengthy recovery and, and, you know, and, and what I could do and what I, what I felt like in doing it. It never yeah. limited me for anything. It just was, sometimes it was uncomfortable doing yeah. things in recovery. Yeah. 
That's amazing, man. Because I know we went, we went and surprised Luke. We were on tour in Germany, and we found out. I know from that his was lady. so rad. Pulled up man. in the tour bus and saw him. That was really cool. How was cool like, was that hospital? It was, it was cool. Awesome. It was trippy, yeah. it looked right? Like, oh, like psych, from far away, like some old school building, and yeah, yeah it was like crazy. an old psych ward, huh? Yeah, man. But then you go inside, and everything's new and nice. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty amazing, man. The timing of being there that time. But then, yeah, then it worked for you and worked for him or for Maddie Boy, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Another thing you did, you did when when I got my wonderful rose tattoo by you on my neck. That's the one that Tim Hendricks did, ladies and gentlemen. You put this stuff in my neck called Tegaderm, and I, I feel like, and I said it the other day, that I feel like you're the one that brought that into tattooing. You know what? Safe to say that or no? No. Okay. So, <laughs> so my friend Sean, his name's Sean Bus, okay. and uh, he tattooed down in San Diego. He actually taught Paul Doubleman how to tattoo. Okay. Um, and he's he's an old friend of mine, really good dude. But he's the one who talked to me about it. He's really the one who was like, dude, people need to start using this. They need to start doing it. Okay. And, you know, I've seen, there's a lot of things where I said, this is going to be the next big thing. And and it, and it was. And one of my mm. machinist friends always goes, man, next time you tell me that, I'm going to listen to you. Because I told him we should start getting into vape pens 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And he, huge. And, yeah. And and uh, I'm all, we need to start making these, making the housing for making the pieces. It's You could do it. You could, could totally it. do that, yeah. You, you know, and he goes, guns. oh, I don't know. You know, and... And I also, before bike bikes got all back in, I was telling him, we need to make single, like, cogs and different bicycle parts and all these things. We can make a fortune. And he's like, Damn. Oh, I don't know. So he told me, the <laughs> next, next big thing, man, I'm listening to you. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, wait, what was the that? Tegaderm the Tegaderm shit. So, so anyways, it was the one thing that I screwed up. I was like, you know what? I don't think this thing's, this is going to be that big. And he's like, Really? Cause we, dude, he talked to 3M. He was gonna get like my my t- supply name put on it. Mm-hmm. So we sold it with our name on it and yeah. everything. Saltwater tattoo. Yeah, saltwater tattoo. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I just don't think it's gonna catch on. He's all, why? I'm all, honestly, man, because like I could put a bandage on, like, and it, it cost me two or three dollars to put this bandage on a tagaderm. or I could buy a, a roll of Saran wrap for two or three dollars. Yeah, and make five thousand bandages out of it. And he goes. So you don't think people will be into it? I'm all, I don't think so, man. I mean, I can't stop using it. I can't. Yeah, I can't I not it. use it anymore. I, I, I it. rarely lay bandages on without it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm all, but dude, look at all the guys that I work with. They they love it and they'll borrow it from me, but they won't go out and buy it. I just don't think people are going to buy it. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right. And we didn't do it. And now everybody <laughs> and dude, everyone in tattooing is using all these, there's all these different New things. There's Tattoo Doom. Tattoo derm. There's Sanoderm. There's Tegaderm. There's another one that's like wow. something you know cover or what I do. There's like five different brands that are big that that are I'm of, making it are making it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And the, man. and the, and in reality, te, uh, Tegaderm was invented by a guy uh, that worked for 3M, and him and his wife actually made Tattoo Derm. So if you buy Tattoo Derm, okay. Um, it's actually the exact same stuff as Tegaderm, okay, but made for tattoos, gotcha. and they own the rights. And I think pretty soon they're going to make it, so no one else might be allowed to hold it. I'm not sure they're yeah. working on that, but he still owns like part, like like a piece of the patent. He's allowed to make it and has rights to it, even That's though crazy. he doesn't work for 3M anymore. Yeah. So I, crazy, I, yeah, I actually designed the logo for him. They paid me for it. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but I wanted to be behind it and kind of help them because I believed in it. I believed in the product. Yeah. And they're doing it on their, you know, on their own thing. And 
So you keep it on your Hopefully tattoo for like out. four days, and it gets kind of bloody underneath there and kind of gushy. You can you can empty it out if you want and drain yeah. it. Yeah, you know what's really gross is when your body <laughs> rehydrates all that gush. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it like dries back out. And you're like, where it's, did it go? It's fucking gross. Ew, yeah. it went back in me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you peel it off, and the tattoo is healed. For me, it's great because I get tattooed on tour, or I like to continue to work. So usually. I, Trying to work out after get tattoo, we can work out with it. You can just hike. Yeah, can, it's foolproof. It's amazing, man. Yeah, take I love a shower it. with it. It makes me like be happy to get tattooed again. Because yeah, I hated the, the ointments healing. and shit back in the day. Bastard Trace and A and D ointment, all that oily shit. Putting uh, tattoos, just rubbing, rubbing germ <laughs> catcher. Here, yeah. let me rub. Let me rub some of this germ <laughs> adhesive on my tattoo. If you put too much of it on, you'd fuck your tattoo. Yeah, up and, and then even though you tell clients, you're like, can you wash your hands before you put the lotion they ain't on? Doing that they shit. just take this dirty hand where they just put their shoes on with and they rub it yeah. on the tattoo. It's surprising that people don't have more staff. <laughs> it you is know? true, yeah. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, that, that's, that's a game changer. I thought you brought it in there, but thank you for showing me that because now yeah, I use it man. everywhere. I buy it everywhere. You can buy it, you can buy it anywhere. Any yeah, I remember you were like texting me, where do I get this stuff? Yeah. You bought your own Tegaderm, right? Yeah, Didn't you? pharmacies. You can get it yeah. at CVS. Yeah. It's freaking awesome. Um, do you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? I th- consider myself an optimist. Um, I got that vibe today for sure. You know what? You've always been like that. You've been through a lot of shit too. Yeah, and it's it, it's it definitely tested politics. Test that. Oh yeah. You know um, the world right now. The world right now. Test mm-hmm. that. And so like, like when I when I vent on on Twitter or something yeah. like that, you know, and people get angry about it because they believe one way and yeah. and I may believe another and. So was, I, I can see how some people would ask. I even asked my wife the other day. I said, hey, do I come off as negative? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I, when I say stuff like that, and she's yeah. like, no, you come off a as... A realist. Yeah, you come off as being serious said, about this. Yeah. You believe in something. You want to make the world a better place for your yeah. children. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know what I mean? So, so, so sometimes people will say... People have actually said it to me. They're like, I don't know, man. That's not very PMA of you, you know? And I go, well, you know what, man? I'm not perfect either, man. Yeah, I'm... I I, I got to stand up for... What am I supposed to do? If, there, if I see someone being anti-Semitic, yeah, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not going to yell at them because no, that's, that's very PMA. I have no PMA like, for racism or trauma. Yeah, either, so, so if I see somebody, you know, like doing something like that or... Or if I see something that I don't agree with, somebody like hitting a, a woman, yeah. I'm going to go up. Honestly, I'm going to I'm gonna wrestle that dude to the floor. Yeah. And yeah, that may not be very PMA and positive, but you know what, dude? I'm sorry. I need... That's, that's, that's human. You're being a yeah, fucking good I'm, human. I, I hate bullies and... Um, I hate them too, man. Yeah. So... So you go hard on Twitter? A little bit. <laughs> a little All bit. politics and stuff or... Yeah, politics and things like that and... Um, you went to the climate stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah, it. you know, and some people don't believe in it, they, and some people do. And you know what? I'm not. I'm not even going to get into that. Yeah, but you know what? Like, but if they can't see it where they live, where it's like the winter and it's fucking sixty degrees, or it's snowing in fucking West Hollywood and all this shit. Yeah, come on, man. But you know what? It's like they say. Well, they they give me their their they give me their reasoning of why, and I yeah. just look at them and this is what I say. I say, but what if it is? <laughs> yeah. But what if it is real? Because mm-hmm. what if it isn't? Well, then nothing changes. Yeah. But what if it is? Yeah. Then things do dramatically change. Yeah. So it's like, so it's like I just, I mean, it's I hard. just live my life according to how I would. You know what I mean? I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. And uh, and I'm doing. I You're more it. tattooing on Instagram, but then on Twitter you go a different way. I Instagram, like yeah, it's just business. I like that. Yeah, I never I really like get that. personal on Instagram. I've decided. I've I like decided that. to get a little bit more personal on Instagram, but in a in a way where. Like I'll, I'll I'll post a story of my kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's been you know it's been a few days, 
um, since uh, since my friend Rick died, you know, Rick Walters died. Yes. And I haven't posted anything. And I, see I don't know if people are looking toward like a, uh, so many people have posted stuff. I see. And it. it's hard for me to post stuff like that and to put my, my feelings out there. And yeah. I've texted a lot of people, people I've thought about that I know it hit them hard. Yeah. And um, it's like, well, how did people deal with death before Instagram? Totally. They, they called each other. They, te- you know, they texted each other. 100%. Or, they, or, you know, they they just called and said, hey, man, how you doing? And they drove to each other's house and said, hey, I just want to check in yep. on you. Um, I agree. Let you know I was thinking about you. Yeah. And so, I don't know, that stuff is hard for me to put my life out there like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's hard because I'm definitely... Sometimes I'll post something and I won't be th- I'll be thinking with my heart, not my head. I'll put it out there and then people freak out, but... I know in my heart I believe in it and feel good, but then but people understand that's my page and what I personally believe. Even yeah. though it's to the public, I'm making it everybody's business because whoever follows me are gonna see it. But I'm trying to vent something, not being preachy, I'm just trying to vent something that that, that bothers me or I'm passionate about. It's hard because then like yeah. you put yourself out there and people just fucking everybody has an opinion, everybody wants to protest, everybody's pissed, everybody has to say something. It's like Yeah. It's hard, man. It's a it's, fine line between, I don't know, like... I asked my mom, dude, she's, you know, she's taught, she taught government history and mm. stuff like that her whole life. She just retired. I said, man, have you ever seen it this bad? She's like, no. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty bad right now. It is, man. You know? It's hard because I, I want to not just live in my little PMA bubble and go to hiking and pick up my son, do all my stuff in my crib and just see the world. I have to look at Vice and different channels and look at the news, what's happening. I try to keep... It's get, it gets dark on your phone going down these little fucking rabbit holes. It does. Shit going it on. It does. It's draining, Yeah, man. you could log on for five minutes, and it, you could, if you let it, it could just ruin man. your day. But, but the thing is, is that what I like about it nowadays is that people can't hide anymore. They cannot. You can't hide now. You, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're an anti-Semite, you can't hide anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're this or, or that, you, you can't hide. If you do this, you can't oh, hide. Oh, R. Kelly, there's so, so much shit happening. Yeah, man. yeah. Bill Cosby, all Dude. these things. You know, you can't, you can't hide anymore. And I like that oh, people cool. can't hide, that everyone's got a camera. Everyone can document everything. Dude. And there is obviously, there's the, that's a gnarly animal because there's a whole <laughs> other side of it. <laughs> but at the same time, if people are being exposed for their wrongdoings so much easier nowadays, then then it changes the world for a better for That's a better place. Think, yeah, people worry about getting. Tra- yeah, you That's know, a good point. Um, so so all that information is available, and uh, and I think that's nice. And I think that that you know, there's as much as people think that there's so much propaganda out there, there is. Yeah, but now we have alternate ways of looking at things and and seeing you know you can follow people right on the ground you can see what they're saying rather than mm-hmm. a mainstream media telling you this it's true. and then another mainstream media telling you the exact opposite I know, and you're being man. pulled in different ways and you're like wait wait wait, wait. it's so confusing man well it's... maybe i'll like maybe i'll start following these these tribal members on the ground yeah. when they were trying to put the dakota you know that pipeline yeah, the yeah, dakota yeah. pipeline thing yeah, that was maybe me. i'll maybe i'll follow these people like oh yeah. look at this look at this woman right here she's a she's a member of the you know uh, she's like a tribal leader but it yeah. also has a PhD in this so she's you know she's somewhat of an intelligent person <laughs> yeah. and and she's giving me information that's on the ground and oh yeah. wow 
those rubber bullets did just fly out of nowhere. They mm-hmm. weren't actually oh, being right. aggressive. They yeah. just started firing on them. For, you know what I mean? So, so you start, you know, you know, you you can actually view things in a better perspective. perspective. Yeah, you know, yeah. and at least at least a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah, and if and if you look at that side of it, suddenly it doesn't get as negative as it is, and you can you can find the positives in it and what people are doing to. Um, to fight back. Yeah. You know? And it's going to promote positive things and things you're doing and you're... Yeah. And now, now tattooers don't need like a... You can just look at their resume right in their Instagram and see all the artwork they do and see the stuff yeah. they do, the styles. You have to have like a book and portfolio dude, and all that shit. Dude, let me... How much time are we, we got time we're, we're, we're you sure? Yeah, okay, because I'm going to... Dude, I got to tell this one thing. This tell, is... Tell me. So oh, good, yeah. So... See, Juan I was me. sitting... Oh, he did? No, I'm going to see you call. He's coming up here today too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I just saw him. So... So, I mean, imagine this, like, because people think, like, how much has tattooing changed, really? You're just putting ink into the skin. You know what I mean? People doing it for millions Mm -hmm. of years, millions of years, it hasn't changed. I I said to these, I was talking to these younger guys, and they're great tattooers. They're awesome. Really, really good dudes. But I was at a a dinner with them after the San Francisco convention, and I go, well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you one, one way it's changed. Yeah. When I started tattooing... (laughs) (laughs) I had to learn how to use a film camera. Mm. I had uh, I had a nichromat. I still have it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, I had to use a nichromat, and I had to learn aperture, shutter speed, how it all worked. Yeah. and I had to learn how to take photos of a tattoo without glare and all that. And I was taking terrible photos, and I learned how to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And I would take a photo of a tattoo, and I would unload, dude. If I did a good tattoo, I was like, Fuck, dude, I got to get a photo of this for my book. Yeah. I would drop an entire roll, an entire 24 <laughs> exposure roll on that whole tattoo. Damn. Just to make sure I got every angle. angle. I would take them to different spots. And I learned yeah. a lot by doing it because I found there were sweet spots in the room where I get a better photo where the lighting was better. And and then better I lighting, and then yeah. I would get once I finally had like a Ziploc bag or you know, a, a you know, alpha beta, remember alpha beta bag yeah. filled with with film canisters. Um, I would take it down to get processed and I would get all my film processed and I'd be like, hey, will you push it a couple, you know, like a stop? Yeah. You know, you get a little contrast on those tattoos because mm-hmm. after that, <laughs> it's not like I can Photoshop it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they would, they, they'd do all these rolls of film for me and I'd pay an arm and a leg and then I'd take them home and I'd look through all the negatives and I would wow. find every one that I liked and I'd look through the prints, I'd get one, you know, prints made. And then, <laughs> and then I would go back and I'd mark them all. And I'd say, I want cop- 10 copies made of all these. Damn. And they would make copies. And I would put one in my book and I'd keep a couple extra on the side. And then I would start writing letters. Handwritten letters because there ain't no so freaking DIY. email. No email. This email just started to come out and I didn't have a computer. Yeah. So I would do handwritten letters and I'd put like five or six in there. And some of them were to people I would probably never get a letter back from. People Holy I looked up shit. to that I'd, I'd learn about where their shop was in yeah. tattoo magazines. Yeah. And I would write a letter, and I'd introduce myself, or some people I was corresponding with, I already got letters back. Yeah. I'd say, hey, you know, so-and-so, yeah. here's some new tattoos that I did. I, I, I did a, an approach like this. And then they would be doing the same thing, and, and sometimes months would go by. Sometimes I'd never get a letter back. Mm-hmm. Some people were good about it, and I'd get a letter back real quick, and I'd be yeah. like, oh, rad, look at these photos that they did, yeah. and I'd keep those photos. and, and Swapping pictures. And, yeah, yeah, man, it was, cool. Cool. It, was, it was old school correspondence yeah. of, of writing letters. It's like and band sharing. swapping demos in the mail back then. Yeah, totally. And, and, um, and that took, you know, that was a process that took months and months, sometimes years to see other people's tattoos Mm -hmm. and what they were doing. 
That's and, crazy. And, and yeah, and then digital cameras came out. Man, I bought my first digital camera for like $450. Jesus. And it was a 2.8 megapixel Sony digital camera that was like the size <laughs> of like two of my fists, you wow. know? And I had to have it. I, and then I had yeah. one of those big Mac bubble computers that were like a color. It was like orange two. or something. Yeah. And I Damn. was like, wow, look at this. I can actually put my photo in here and I can save it on a file. And this is amazing. I don't have to go down the film store anymore mm-hmm. and do all this. Do all film, yeah. And now, man, <laughs> I, I do a tattoo. And y- and y'all know, listening, where I'm exactly I'm going so with this. Crazy. But I mean, you have to say it out loud. I go over and I take that person that I just did. I just finished that tattoo. And I flip open my phone that is also a camera, an amazing, amazing camera. camera. And I take a photo of that tattoo and I post it and I, you know, I kind of clean it up, take a little bit of the redness out so people can see what the gray shades look like. And I post it on a platform for the entire world. It's crazy. To see if they, if they decide to. And, (laughs) and, and then I go and I start scrolling through or I'll pick a couple of people and see what tattoos they've been doing. And I can see everybody's work from all over the world in an instant from wherever I am. Whether whether I'm on <laughs> on the train or whether I'm yeah. you know at home and my kids are asleep, yeah. I can. It's everything's at my fingertips. It's instant. Now it's something that took months, maybe even years. Yeah, you know that's crazy, man. And so that's just. And so I looked at these kids and I go, so that's <laughs> that's like you know one thing that's changed. <laughs> that's a major. It's and ma- they were blown away and they just yeah. looked at me and they and um and he goes, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a, that's that's a big change. It was actually this guy Jason Hanna and this other kid Mikey Holmes. Okay, and they're both amazing tattooers and really good. They're you know they're, yeah. they're good dudes. But all the stuff he had to do just to get a photo in a portfolio, just to get a photo in a portfolio, and if your photo got stolen, their portfolio got stolen. Fuck, mm, it's like you know? all your work. Like yeah, man, that's your life's that's your life. It's it's almost like for musicians or just people like music, we would go. Pick out, get a punk record, and see what the thank you list was on the back. See the bands that they shouted out, or the T-shirts they were wearing. Then we try to find that shirt or that band because we had to do the research and go to the record stores and yeah. like search for this these music we heard about. Yeah, through word of mouth, you know, like the hustle and and the discovery of finding your music and. It's the same, I mean, like all that she had to do. To, but now I just go online, you click on my phone, pick out a band, discography comes yeah. up on Spotify, listen to everything. And, and change isn't always bad. Like, yeah. I like that. I like that these, you know, yeah. like, I can just go and see these people's tattoos and do that stuff. You know, like, and I like when some old schoolers see it and they like that. Like, Good Time Charlie, I remember years ago, these guys, I was at a, like a reunion party mm-hmm. and some of the guys were like making fun of me about how, you know, I'll, I, you know, Photoshop and all these things. They're like, oh yeah, well you're creating your tattoos on Photoshop and this and that. And I'm like, <laughs> well, li- I'm old. Check it out, dude. I'm like, I can draw an eagle. I can draw an eagle, and it's two wings, and you need them exactly the same. Well, I'll draw the head and all that, but then I'll I'll dr- I'll have the eagle, and then I'll scan it in real quick in two seconds. I'll flip it on Photoshop, and I'll put it on there, and I'll print it out, and then I'll make the stencil. And while you're still drawing, I'm done with the or we just just yeah. doing the tattoo. I'm done, and I'm fitting in another walk in. I'm finishing like 45 minutes sooner, and that's that's a whole nother tattoo I could do Damn. by the end of the day. And they kind of all went ah whatever, and then <laughs> and then you know the you know the, that group of guys kind of dispersed a little bit. Yeah. And then Charlie comes up to me, he's all, "Hey Tim, uh, tell me a little bit more about this Photoshop thing." Oh, shit, you know, and awesome. I thought that was rad, and he kind of yeah. smiled, and <laughs> and I was like, "Well, check it out." So you know, you got to have a computer though in the shop, and you do this, and and he he just want to hear about it because. 
you know, he looked at it as like, whoa, this is a change. And, yeah. and you know, that he's saving time, which time is money. Time is and money. And we can, we can make more tattoos at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And, uh, and he saw the value in that. And mm-hmm. he, he goes, tell me a little bit more about this thing. That's amazing, you know, so, man. So there's value in change. Yeah. You just have to look for it and see it. And some of it doesn't. Some of it is just like, mm-hmm. You know. I know. So now you're, now, you're, now you're classic tattooing forwards and Lindsay Carmichael works there. Yeah, Lindsay it's works It's pretty there. awesome, man. Yeah, 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 So what's that like now, like tattooing now in 2019 after everything? I love it, man. It's yeah. amazing. And, you know, I, I that you know, classic is, is really cool. Obviously, you know, it's got a lot of history. But, I, you know, I work with, like, dude, there's, it's crazy. So Lindsay, Bucky, mm-hmm. Bill, and I, we all worked together at the shop. Awesome. We all did our first tattoos in on this in the same year we've all been tattooing same yeah just like dude like since the you know the early 90s but that's it's crazy. all the exact year we all started that's awesome man. but then we have guys like javier and then and then jeff that was in the shop yeah you know and chuco chuco's old, older generation yeah. as well but like we have these youngers and this guy jose that's in there too mm-hmm. you know these are like these are our younger generation and i love dude they inspire me it's awesome like they make me feel young again they make yeah. me feel like like I just, I, so it makes me ones. feel like a kid again. I'm always yeah. feeling young and feeling fresh and learning new stuff and trying new mm-hmm. little tricks. And I call them over, and I'm like, what would you do here? And yeah. then the old Javi will be like, I just go red all the way up to the line. I'm like, you wouldn't leave a little space? Are you crazy? And he's like, no, <laughs> just go red all the way up to the line. I'm like, okay. And I do it and yeah. I look at him like, man, that little trick is such smart tattooing. You know, mm-hmm. they're so much smarter now the way they do things. So even and, you see all kinds of, you're learning new stuff still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm always That's learning. Crazy, I mean, dude, man, from new tattoo artists. What would I be if I wasn't learning new new ways? You know, yeah, like, for tattooing, it's fucking. Yeah, that's what's rad about art is that you're never done. Is there one style that people love to get now? Is it like a trendy style? Because it was traditional, was tribal, was all this stuff. You know, there's so many styles. I, I feel like as far as the trendy style now, it's more of like, like the single line, ex- like yeah, like accessories. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of young kids like. Like single line prison looking things, that weird artsy things, like rent all over them, like yeah, black line things, yeah, yeah, like Doctor Wu, you know, like Wu, yeah, Yeah, he does. Wu does a lot of, you know, he kind of coined. He he's the one who's famous for that. Yeah, Um, he did Drake the thing on Drake's arm, the portrait of his dad. Yeah, but I mean, dude, Wu's a badass tattooer. I've seen a lot of stuff. Like he could, he could set up and bust out one of the baddest traditional tattoos mm. that anyone ever seen and nobody knows that like dude he's got eric mosky tattoos on him oh, he got wow. tattooed by eric mosky that's awesome you know and learned he learned at shamrock under mark mahoney like yeah he's legit fucking badass tattooer yeah um he blew up yeah yeah sure. he gets hated on bro he does yeah and it's so cool because it's like, about him vice did it was really cool actually yeah they Game did a, uh, something no 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 they did the tattoo age yeah yeah, did yeah. they do a tattoo age yeah. on him yeah he's gonna spot the roosevelt or something yes he does and he's dude he's he doing up. great he's yeah. doing awesome more power to him yeah but i love those i love that like shamrock's still there and spotlight those old school like yeah man. classic obviously yeah you yeah. were you were both those spots yeah yeah i uh i worked at spotlight for about four years and you were at Shamrock. I seen you there. I think right. You were there. No, I oh, never got to work okay, at Shamrock. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Garver did. Garver worked oh, yeah, there, Garver, and then yeah. came over and opened True Tattoo, and we all worked together at True. Garver used to tattoo in the early '90s at Fun City with I, Jonathan dude. Shaw. We used to all go to us and sick of it all. Gnostic Front, Madball, all the bands he tattooed, all of us back then. Yeah, I think dude. it was almost illegal, like in '90 or something. It was illegal. Yeah. yeah. We used to go there. It was crazy. And uh, didn't he live with um, uh, Mike Ledger, right? Yeah, Mike Ledger. He tattooed me too. Yeah, Mike Ledger. Yeah, back in the Ledger's day. cool. A New York adorned. And Scott Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, I used to read about all of them in magazines. That's crazy, man. <laughs> I get t- yeah, Scott Sylvia, fucking 
one point, I obviously Siv. Siv used to do practice tattoos on me and the guys in Sycamore on his apartment on Avenue B. Yeah, Siv's a My man. first stomach rocker he did on me, like... Don't you, don't you wish he had more, like... Don't you wish we had phones then? Yeah, imagine. But I guess it wouldn't have been as cool then. No phones, no pictures you back know, then. You know, if we had phones then, what about it would, the crazy it shit cool. you're doing back then? Luckily, there were no phones back then. All the shit kids were doing. Dude. It would have been so different. Yeah, it's... A, it's our, kids, our kids would never know life without phones and social are, media and all that stuff. Our kids are growing up in a, in a very interesting time. Yeah. I, I was thinking that on the way up here. I was going, man, I'm going to have to explain to my son that I grew up in a time without internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to believe because that's all they know. It's like, yeah, like the first time I had to, t- like, if I wanted to talk to a girl that I liked, I had to ask her for her number. You know totally. how, how much nerve it took to totally. ask a girl for her number in person? Yeah. You know, not DMing her <laughs> or liking, like, well, I've been liking her photos and like commenting on them for a while. That's like flirting, and then now, she, I guess. That's right? flirting. Wow. So, like, I had to ask, you know, you had to ask her for her number and then you mm-hmm. had to go home. Oh my God, do you remember how long it took to work up the nerve to call her? With the yeah. long cord, my mom had to finally go. We went through so many cords. Take the cord and wrap it around and hide somewhere. So yeah, I go, in, I go in like the, like the outside. I go in the back porch and close the door and the cord was caught in the door and I'd be sitting there on the back porch so I could have some privacy because I couldn't think. I had brothers and, you know, like yeah. a sister. and You'd sneak the call and shit. Dude. And so I would work up the nerve and call me like, uh, is uh, Joanna there? That's my, my first girlfriend, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's crazy, man. You I know? know? Yeah. I guess now, if you... I asked Max to say... Because Max, we had, a, we had a rotary phone here for a long time, but it, it sounded so creepy when it rang. Oh, it's still there. It just doesn't yeah, work anymore. Yeah, it's still there. But we used to make Max call his friends on this rotary phone so he could learn how to dial a phone and like call somebody. That was a big part of him growing up using that phone before he had yeah. a phone. Call people, talk to him on the phone. So then when he got a cell phone, he started talking. He's always on the phone talking. But he told me that it's not normal to talk on the phone. Like, if you meet a girl... You're supposed to text. If you call, that's too personal. Yeah. If they talk in voice to voice, that's like too much. That's crazy. I know, dude. It's DM and most of Max's uh, communication, it's not through texting, it's through Snapchat. So he's conversating through Snapchat through friends. He doesn't yeah. text his friends. It's so weird, man. They're hanging out, but they're not hanging out. Well, yeah, he does hang out. He's in a band. He does. Yeah, yeah, he, I know. You but know I mean, like. Yeah, but like, it's Snapchat. It's not, it's not a direct phone number. He doesn't have people's phone numbers. It's just Snapchat. That's so wild to me. I call people, dude. I pick up yeah. and call people. And you know what's crazy? It gets a lot done. You get you know phone, so yeah. much done. You just pick up the phone. Like you're finding out, well, I'll email them. We'll all text them. We'll all do this. And I'm like, you know what? Well, let me see. Oh, there's a number on the site. Do, 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 do. I'm all, hey, how you doing? Yeah. My name's Tim. I own a tattoo supply company over here. Yeah. We're looking at some things that you build, and I'm wondering if I could have a certain thing made. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Let's, Dude, I just got like five days of emails back and forth done in 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then they, you develop some personal relationship with them. Yeah, nobody does that And they no like more. you. They're like, you know what? I'm, they're more apt to, to do something for you, do you a favor. Yeah. And the communication as far as like humans to human... It's sad because I try to text people all the time or call people, but sometimes I feel like people, they'll see on your Instagram, oh, he's on tour. Oh, he's hiking. Oh, he's doing this. He's good. He's safe. He's alive. He's fine. Yeah. But how do you know what I'm actually going through? Like, you know, you, like people think, oh, he's okay, so they don't reach out to you. So then you lose this communication where people aren't checking in with each other because they see you on there. Yeah. And they think you're, it's they're, weird, They're man. staying connected, but they're not, they're, it's not personal. Yeah. I don't, you know I, don't, I, mean? I don't like that, man. No, I don't like it either. I really don't. I just feel like it's a total disconnect. Like I know. Because sometimes motherfuckers may be, look like they're happy, but they're really not. We know that. There's a lot of smoky mirrors on social media. But so for some people going through shit, and really they're 
that's why on my on my Instagram it's just all business, dude. I know I like I, that. I, that's I just smart. post I just post photos of tattoos or I try to help people. Yeah. On Instagram. You yeah. know? You answer I mean, DMs too? You know, only people I follow. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll see one that's like it stands out, but I just have a huge box of just people, you know. Yo, how how do I go about getting a tat? It's like, dude, it says right there. There's my emails right there. Yo, where are you located? They can't even push the directions button of where the shop is. Yeah, you know, it's just it's crazy. So I just I answer, (laughs) I answer, I try to answer a lot of my DMs that of people. You know, if somebody I follow, then they DM me, it goes straight through, and I see it. But otherwise, I don't see it. I have all my notifications turned off. So people always tell me they're like, dude, you didn't see that thing I tagged you in. I'm like. No, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to either DM this post to me personally yeah. or I like that. You know what I mean? Or text me, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't have any notifications. I have one notification. If somebody posts something, there's one person that, that if she posts something, it gives me a notification and that's my wife. And that's it. That's the only notification awesome, I have turned man. on. Um That's how it should be. Yeah. And it's just a, dude, it's just my Instagram's a business. Yeah, it's there for business and it's there to help people. Yeah. So if somebody's going through something and they have a GoFundMe, I'll I'll try and post it. And sometimes yeah. I don't see them until it's too late, and I feel horrible, and I'm feeling all bad. Yeah. And my wife or somebody have to remind me, hey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, these are levels of good that you're living in here. You didn't do anything bad. Yeah. You yeah, just yeah. didn't see what was going on because you're never on Instagram. No, I know. And no one told you. And yeah. so I fucked up, and I'm like, fuck, I didn't repost this, or I didn't see it, or, yeah. you know, it's hard. You do a lot of cool things with saltwater tattoo, with the guns, too, like, you do things to raise money for people and stuff, and I've seen you do that in the yeah, past. Yeah, I'll post, dude, I mean, it's a machine, I could just go build a machine in my garage real quick, yeah. and then post it, and that night, raise 600 bucks for somebody yeah. who, it could help. Yeah, that's awesome. How could I not do that? Yeah, you did that for me before, thank you, with you the PMA ones, that was awesome. That's like Spider-Man Thank shit, you. bro. With great power comes <laughs> great responsibility. The last thing I'm going to say is that you're an amazing skateboarder, and I've skated with you before, before we really knew each other. Maybe on the Warped Tour or somewhere, like a mini oh, ramp. Oh, I might have been on the Warped Tour. Somewhere. I was tattooing an Oliver's thing. Yeah, yeah, but you're you're like a really good skater. Do you still Thanks. skate? You know, I haven't been skating a lot lately um, because I've been spending so much time with the kids, and yeah. it's been raining a lot and all that. Maybe let's start um, skating, yeah. And also, I kind of feel like I have one last hurrah of of like uh, like a last decade of skateboarding left in me, mm. and I want to save it for my kids. That's smart. Build a build a mini ramp in the backyard, Ooh. and um, so I, that's I think, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I'm focusing on the kids. Skateboarding is always going to be there, and I'll always skateboard, and I'll yeah, always you're really surf. Good, though. Thank you. Did you do you want to be professional as a kid or anything, or now just skated for fun? No, nah, I just skated for fun. Yeah. I, I was sponsored, amateur sponsored, yeah. but um, no, nah, I just did it because. I loved it. Yeah. You know, skateboarding, surfing, and, and snowboarding, I just love. Yeah. I love them all. I love them all. I can't really snowboard, but I enjoy falling down just as much as I do going down the hill. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. My wife's it really is. good. My wife is going to marry this pro snowboarder back in the day called Mike Rankwit. No way. Yeah, in I know that name. In the 90s, yeah. she was the dude that I came... Uh, so like she's on the next podcast. She's on the podcast, but she was going to marry that dude, and I came in to get a second chance, and everything changed. But that was wow. she was going to marry that guy. I was going to buy her a pink house and Seattle, and I still have his snowboards in my garage. It's going to be on the episode. That's why I'm talking about it now. So it's not like I'm telling. Oh, I anything. can't wait to hear that story. Yeah, but like yeah, so I got a second chance. But she was going to marry this dude, and she, my wife's an amazing snowboarder. Yeah. This motherfucker taught her and shit. So <laughs> it's pretty cool though. <laughs> Shout out to Mike Rankwood. Um, I ran into him several times past 20 years he's awesome came, yeah. came to my first show with moon and all this stuff you yeah. remember, that's, remember him the snowboarder yeah for sure dude. yeah so um that's awesome i that, can't wait to hear on that note <laughs> we covered everything on my notes let me say this is two hours this is two hours but this is a fucking awesome two hours
Well, good. I'm carry, glad. Carried all this, everything about you on here. Um, yeah, man. We didn't talk. We, we talked about a little climate. Also, you like electric cars or something? Well, okay. I have one. Okay, awesome. I bought a Tesla. Oh, sick. Awesome. Yeah. Couple I, of my yeah. friends have that. I drank, yeah. I drank the Kool-Aid, bro. Okay, um, but Teslas are cool though, right? Yeah, well, I really wanted to get... Uh, I was just sick of paying gas, bro. Honestly, I was sick, I'm sick of giving oil companies my money. Got you. That's just basically it. Climate change or not, it doesn't matter. I, like, We don't even have to go to that level, mm-hmm. um, but... I'm just sick of giving oil companies my money. And then people say, well, where do you think the electricity comes from? That's what mm-hmm. people said. When I posted yeah. on, my, on my Twitter that I got an electric car, yeah. somebody, a lot of people said, well, where do you think the, the electricity that charges your cars comes from, idiot? And I just wrote them back and said, my solar panels. Yeah, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then they're panels. like, well, yeah, but if you charge at night, where do you think it comes from? I go, the battery, the backup battery I got with my solar panels that stores a bunch of electricity. Mm-hmm. It's you crazy. know what I mean? Yeah, like so, uh, so I was just sick of giving oil companies my money, so I got panels with, with backup battery, and I, and I got a Tesla. Sick. And you have it I want, you? Yeah, I do have it, it with out. me. You got um, the, T- what's it, the X1? I, or I the got T- the, no, I got the Model 3. It's all I could afford. Okay. It's different <laughs> Dude, those things are expensive, There's different levels bro. of it, yeah. Yeah, and I actually, um, I actually could only afford it because I traded in. My wife bought herself a Forester, and she makes payments on it. Sick. Um, and... Uh, and we sold both our forerunners. I had two oh, forerunners, and we sold them. And oh, wow. so I put the money I got from the forerunners down on the Tesla, and Sick. with all the rebates you get back on them, because yeah. you get so many electrical rebates. Yeah, I only financed it for got like twenty four. My payments are three eighty. Awesome, you know. Man. And then, yeah. but I'm also saving one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks in gas. Yeah, man. You know, so I'm really it rides only, smooth. It's awesome. I'm only coming out of pocket like one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks a month yeah. now more for to ride a Tesla. It's and you the, fucking earned it, bro. It's Fuck the that. best car I've ever owned in my life. Damn. And I, dude, I built tons of lowriders. I built tons of motorcycles. I know <laughs> I can build you a combustion engine with my eyes closed. It's awesome. I love old cars. I love old class. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I love it, man. And it's still the best car I've ever owned in my life. Wow. I can never go back. For my daily driver car, I can never go back to a combustion engine. Wow. It's the most efficient, most amazing thing I've ever owned. And I haven't, I, I never have to stop at a gas station again. And people are like, well, yeah, but don't you worry about running out of energy? I'm like, I got 310 miles of the charge. Oh, shit. And I have, a, I basically, imagine if you had a gas car and you had a pump in your driveway. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't you just always stay full? You just, yeah. eh, I'm just going to put some gas in. I'm yeah, every night. And then go to in. bed. I don't even have to sit and wait for it to pump. I just plug it in and go inside and it has a timer on it. So it starts sucking Damn. down energy at a certain time. <clears throat> and I wake up in the morning and it's charged again. It's fucking sick. Yeah, so. It's the best thing you've invested in probably. It's one of the best investments I made besides my spine. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's um, true. That's true, too. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, dude. I, okay. It's the best car I've ever owned in my life. I, I mean... We should do a commercial for them. Sounds- I know, right? <laughs> I but um, that's awesome, man. But yeah, I'm gonna check it out right now. Yeah, have you ever driven in one? No. Yeah, I might have. They're really quiet too, right? <clears throat> They're quiet, and it's the fastest thing I've ever been in in my life. It's like as fast as my motorcycles. Wow. Yeah. That's it awesome. Knocked, it, it gave me a it gave me a headache by the end of the day. The first day I got it because I was punching it so much. Yeah. It was pushing my brain back in my head, and I had like a slight concussion basically from it because <laughs> it was crazy. so fast. I want to check it out right now. All I right, think cool. we covered everything though, right? Yeah. Oh shit, everything. sorry. That's no, right. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you for everything. Thank you for supporting my One Life One Chance too. Amazing painting you made for me and making those guns for me. Doing beautiful tattoos on me. Um, what did you do on me? Do my neck on me? What else you do on me? Um, what else you do on me? Oh, uh, my, I did my, a bunch my, of stuff flag, on your back. My flag, yeah. 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 And racism. Um, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm honored to call you my friend. We met several times throughout my life. 
living in New York, coming here through all that tattoo artist. But yeah, I appreciate you in my life and um, all the things you've been through. Thanks for sharing them with me today. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. This I appreciate is, you. This was awesome. Yeah, cool. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That was great. Hey, y'all. Liquid Death's been so kind to give me a promo code. So for your first purchase on liquiddeath.com, go to liquiddeath.com slash O-L-O-C, and you get a free set of koozies with your first purchase of H2O, still or sparkling. Uh, if not, you can try it also at Whole Foods or 7-Eleven. Use the promo code O-L-O-C for your first purchase of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for your support. Appreciate you so much. Murder your thirst. H2O saves lives, y'all.